Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And uh, today I had Kyle catch up on John Woo's, uh, I believe, 1989 film, The Killer. Correct. Uh, this is one of John Woo's Hong Kong films. So this was in his in his days before he was making uh, American blockbusters. Um, I had Kyle watch this because um, it's my understanding that a lot of people have a certain image in their mind when it comes to John Woo. Uh, and mo- more often than not, uh, it's only representational of, of his American films. And to me, there's two distinct eras. Well, now three. Uh, there's now three distinct eras of John Woo. There's his Hong Kong days. There's his American days, so when he was working in Hollywood. And there's him now, where he's making a lot of uh, period films and has seemingly gone back to China. Um, now he's making like Chinese films with more international appeal, though. Like his his last big one was a film like I think from last year called Manhunt, mm-hmm. that was a it had a very high profile Japanese cast in addition to a Chinese cast, and I think there was also a Korean actress in there. So it's like we're we're aiming for a broader audience, but it's a it's a Chinese production. But uh, Kyle, um, was this your uh, your first experience watching a uh, a Hong Kong film from John Woo? Uh, from John Woo, yes. Uh, I mentioned before we got on here, the only one, only John Woo movies I've seen are the uh, the Wind Talkers, uh, Face Off, and then Broken Arrow. Um, and I d- did not see Hard Target, and I don't. If I did see Mission Impossible Two, I don't remember it at all. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> uh, I I rewatched it. Uh, I think right after. Uh, I went through the entire Mission Impossible series after I saw Fallout because mm-hmm. I had a great time with that. Fallout. And holy shit, that is hard to go back to. Which one? It fall- is like it's like the year two thousand bottled in the ugliest of ways. Like mm-hmm. even the color palette and like the soundtrack and the clothing, it's just it's just awful. Didn't Limp Biscuit do a song for that? That I movie? think so. It was it was <laughs> that just, should tell uh, you something. I mean, it's it's a it's an amazing time capsule. It's hideous in every way, um, but yeah, it's of that entire series. It's the only one that I have trouble going back to. The rest of them are pretty excellent for the most part. I love the newest one that w- that was out. Yeah, that was Fallout. Um, I think we both agree that was a great time. Yeah, it was a great time. Um, but so this film, The Killer, uh, part another reason why I picked it is because it's kind of special to me in that it kind of. It jump-started my my interest in international film because I had seen like Asian movies when I was younger like I remember um, the samurai trilogy the uh, Toshiro Mifune samurai movies um, my, my mom got them from the library and we had a we had a fun weekend where uh, we were both sick so I got to stay home from school nice. and she was like well I guess you can watch this subtitled movie from the 50s with me and i got really into it because you know it's a samurai movie it's it's old but i mean toshiro mifune is just awesome and so that was when i was like 12 or something and i first saw the killer when i was 14 or 15 um there was uh my brother had a friend who was a cinephile um he (laughs) he had this thing we called the chair it was it was it was this lazy boy with the platform taken out of it so it was like flush with the floor Oh, okay. And it, was, it was in the center of a surround system, a surround sound system in a very small room. 
So this was his room. <laughs> wow. So so this chair, if you sat in this chair, it was like being taken into a different dimension. That, that <laughs> so it like put neat. you in the movie. That sounds um, pretty cool. It was pretty cool, but but like there was no couch. There was no other seating available in this room. It was clearly designed for a single person's entertainment. <laughs> it's kind of selfish, but I dig it. I, I like, uh, I like I, this. This man probably did not have girlfriends at, like for quite some time, <laughs> <laughs> or friends for that matter. But he had a huge movie collection, and uh, he had a laser disc of the killer, um, which was a big fucking deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember I was over at. I was hanging out with his younger brother and he put on this movie and I was just entranced because he was Laserdisc had like a chapter skip function and I think the first thing he showed me was uh, the apartment invasion when uh, Chow Yun-Fat is talking with his friend Sydney, and some dudes try to break in and like assassinate him basically there are a lot of assassination attempts in this movie. yeah there's a lot of shootouts in this movie <laughs> I'm trying most to, of which I, happen in apartments i literally just finished watching this and i'm like okay what's he talking about <laughs> so many assassination attempts but yeah basically he was just skipping to all the violent scenes in the movie and yeah. i was like 14 or 15 so it's just like holy shit because you know you, you see shootouts in movies but very few of them are structured as artfully as john woo does them and oh it kind of got the ball rolling for me just like looking into who this john woo guy was and what made him so special and for the longest time uh, hard boiled uh which was i think in the early 90s uh that was like the the holy grail for me it mm. kind of still is in some ways like in terms of movie shootouts uh it kind of it kind of set the bar and i don't know if it's ever been topped you know, I, I was just looking something up real quick because um, w- one of the things that happens in this movie, uh, without diving into it, is that a lot of the assassins, as you mentioned, um, wear these white jumpsuits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming this is to. I mean, these are like the putty dudes from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. They, yeah, they all look the same. They have. They're pretty much no threat whatsoever, and. I noticed I noticed them throughout, and they get they get shot quite a bit, and I'm like, well, maybe that is to just it's easier to show blood, like it it's. I think that's why, but uh, it, it makes the squibs pop more. But I I noticed something uh, from Die Hard Two is there's a specific scene I think it is the T1000 uh, who calls the dude a sitting duck and scaffolding. He, yeah, they're all wearing uh-huh. those white suits. Uh-huh. So Rennie Harlan is the one that directed Die Hard Two. Mm-hmm. He in 2018 he he's direct uh he directed legend of the ancient sword which yeah he uh he's been working in china the past few years so die hard 2 came out a year after this i wonder mm-hmm. if he uh wonder if he watched that uh watched well, the killer i mean you there's there's a lot of filmmakers in this era in the late late 80s early 90s who had their eye on hong kong um, a lot of influence was drawn from Hong Kong films. Um, like, for instance, you had me watch True Romance, which we hopefully will do an episode on in the future. Hopefully. Um, a Better Tomorrow 2 is featured on screen in the film and directly referenced in the in the final shootout in some ways in that film. Mm. Uh, a Better Tomorrow series being uh, like kind of the thing that put John Woo on the map. I know it was massively... Uh, successful internationally like uh, I think over the past 10 years actually we've gotten 
not only a Chinese remake of it, but a Korean remake of it as well. Hmm. It's it's just this massively influential franchise that uh, kind of like put Chow Yun-fat and John Woo on the map at the same time. Um, I mean, Reservoir Dogs, the uh, the wardrobe in that film is basically pulled directly from A Better Tomorrow too. So apparently Quentin Tarantino really had a thing for, he had a boner for John Woo. Like in that era, this is actually uh, to be honest with you, this is my first Chow Yun Fat um, starring movie. Uh, I've seen him in. I never watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, oh, really? No, I, I've been meaning to. Uh, I just I haven't gotten around to it. Um, I have only seen him in I think Pirates of the Caribbean three, and I can't think of much else that I've seen him in. Really? <laughs> yeah, like, honestly. You mean you didn't see a Bulletproof Monk? No, I did not see Bulletproof Monk. Great question. Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just checking. This movie, The Killer, uh, I should, I guess I should give a, a plot summary. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. As the title describes, it's about a hitman. Um, and it's kind of an archetypal story of a, of a hitman trying to get out. Uh, get out of the business, basically. So Chai Yun-Fat plays the titular killer. Um, I don't know what he was called in the... In the dub version, if I'm not, did you watch the subtitled or dub? By the way, I it was the original Cantonese, uh, okay, Cantonese yeah. version, and I had it with subtitles on. They, I don't, Jeff, is it Jeffrey? Jeffrey, Jeffrey is the name that uh, the subtitles call him. Um, he, Aj Yong, A H G A O N G was what his name was supposed to be. I just put him as C Y F. Yeah, I just thought of him as Jeff or Chow. No. Anyway, he's a hitman who's trying to get out of the business, and the reason for this is that uh, on one of his outings, uh, he accidentally blinds a nightclub singer, an unfortunate gal, and uh, he develops feelings for this gal and kind of becomes like a watchful protector of hers, and then uh, through happenstance, uh, their worlds collide, and he decides to actually enter her world and become a part of it. And they develop a romance, and now he's trying to scrabble, to, like scrabble together some funds to get her a cornea transplant. Kind of like the town, uh... kind of, yeah, yeah. Actually, now you mention it, uh, and yeah, along the way, he he meets a cop who uh, identifies with him on a deeply personal level, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, merry mishaps ensue. Many people are shot. Yeah, a lot of people die. <laughs> a lot of people get shot and don't die as well. So the funny thing about this movie, and I guess let's get on with it, uh, mm. has a very atmospheric opening. Um, I really love the music in this film. It's actually one of my favorite aspects of it. I notice, I don't know how true this is, but for me, I notice that a lot of John Woo's movies, uh, music is very important. Um, it seems to be something that jumps out at him as something that catches his eye and, and needs attention. Uh, for instance, Hard Boiled uh, opens with Chow Yun Fat and his friend like playing jazz music, like he's playing the clarinet, I think. And a lot of his films have a strong emphasis on music being a, a theme. And I really love the soundtrack in this movie; it's very affecting. Um, I actually, say- <laughs> I actually like cried a little bit, and I've seen this movie many <laughs> times, and it's intensely melodramatic, and it shouldn't be effective, but. Uh, towards the end of this movie, there's a moment that always fucking gets me, and most of it, I think, has to do with the music. Anyway, we we open on a shot of like the Hong Kong skyline, and it's like a 
it looks like a shitty Seattle evening, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and then immediately, like immediately, uh, we jump to a church and we get probably 80% of the John Woo aesthetic tropes all, all, in in, all, all at one. once. We it's kind of amazing. Like Church, doves, candles. Uh, are there drapes? I don't, I don't remember if there was drapes <laughs> or curtains. I don't think um, there are. The drapes came in a little later. I yeah. think that was that was more like a, a flourish that came in later. But uh, religious iconography. So yeah, church. There's um, a Chinese. It's a Chinese Catholic church, and there's a, a a Chinese dude at the end of the movie who's in there. Oh, who's yeah. Catholic? Uh, apparently. Yeah. Um, I believe John Woo is. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah, it is interesting, um, and it it finds a way of entering into a lot of his films. Uh, but yeah, you you hit it right out the gate. Doves, church, candles. This uh, is downright dangerous. Okay, the, the uh, amount of candles in this church is downright <laughs> irresponsible. Meatloaf would be very proud. <laughs> serious. It's no. <laughs> the only. I think maybe the only aesthetic trope that is missing is somebody wielding two pistols at the same time, like well, guns and kimbo. Give it time. Um, give it wouldn't time. be. Yeah, we'll give it time. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> but uh, we get we get like an offline and dialogue here where. Uh, Basically, the reason we're in the church is this is the rendezvous point where uh, John Wu, I mean Chai Yun Fat, <laughs> is uh, is meeting his his buddy Sydney. I've I don't actually know the name of the actor, but I actually thought he was one of the stronger components of the story. Yeah. So Sydney is this character who is a ex hitman who now is like a consigliere or or like an an associate of a mob boss, basically. Yeah. Uh, he's he's like the uh, point of contact. For Chai and Fat before he goes out on missions, but Sydney used to be a killer, and uh, it's shown at one point that he has a, uh, a wounded hand, so his his reflexes have dulled and he's kind of out of the game. And they have this like strong like brotherly love for one another. It's like they have this blood oath between each other that's it's not spoken really, but uh through thick and thin these two are are there for each other even even though this isn't a business built around loyalty um which takes us into uh the first instance of violence in the film uh chai and fat goes to a nightclub and this is where we meet salie uh who plays uh jenny the uh, nightclub singer who i mentioned in the summary um we get some neat cross-cutting here where uh you can tell that these two are going to have some sort of connection down the road, just the way it's edited. Um, it's like a lot of faces transposed onto each other. It's cute. And she's singing a song that comes up like minimum four times in the movie. A few <laughs> times, yeah. Um, her, it kind of brought to mind uh, Dick Tracy. Oh, um, yeah. In in how uh, like intrusive the, the songs are. I kind of like shit, that, Madonna, Madonna, just to me, she kind of ruined Dick Tracy, if you ask me. See, I like because she's singing over the montages, and there's one in particular uh, sequence where she's singing, and I think it's when Dick Tracy is in jail. I think it's when he's in jail and Big Boy's back back at it. It's the really upbeat thing. It's the really upbeat part. Yeah, I, I actually liked that. I might have to rewatch that. I I want to love that movie on so many levels, but I just. There's, it has too many problems. I like the. Uh, I don't know if it's. I think it's a matte painting. I like the uh, the Dick Tracy backgrounds. I like the cityscapes oh, that are in. Oh, there. absolutely no. From an aesthetic standpoint, it's it's gorgeous, gorgeous. to look at. Gorgeous, it's yes. absolutely gorgeous to look at. And 
Uh, I kind of wish that Danny Elfman hadn't done the music because it was it was too close to Batman. <laughs> it, was, it was too close. You know, it's like you can't have these things right next to each other. Where's it's, Michael Keaton? <laughs> well, it's just too much of a good thing, and and tonally, it 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 puts like false memories in your mind where it's like, oh, is that the Batman melody? Oh no, it's the Dick Tracy one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna rewatch it. I might watch. I might rewatch it tonight. Actually, I've watched it many times, and every time I'm disappointed because it's. I, there's there are a few f- films on this planet that I've wanted to like more than that, because I was I'm just old enough that I can kind of remember the hype built around it. Not like not like in theaters, but mm-hmm. like I remember seeing kids like at Halloween running around as Dick Tracy, and I remember. I still have a friend who has fucking Dick Tracy trading cards. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> yeah. Nerd. I have I have Terminator Two tra- trading cards. So it's, oh, it's uh, same friend has those two. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Chai and Fat goes into the back room of this nightclub, and uh, we get like I said, the first instance of violence in this film. And the choreography in the sequence is pretty pretty sharp. It's not overly long, which is a uh, Welcome, especially since some of the action in this film does get a little, yes, a little stretched out, a little long in the tooth. Um, I really love his first move. Uh, he knocks on the door and he's just like kind of hanging on the side of the doorway, and the guy opens the door and like turns his head around to look at him, and he just like sticks his pistol straight straight into his stomach. Mm-hmm. And and this this begins a theme in the way the action is executed in this film. Overkill is is like required for every instance of death in this film. <laughs> like I don't I don't think there's this there's maybe one person in this movie that gets shot once. Everyone has to get it like six times before they fall down. <laughs> I want to know how if John Woo liked John Wick. I want to know what what he thought about John Wick because especially the end scene, there's a lot of close-up shots. It's not gun-fu by any like by any stretch, but it's it started to feel like John Wick a little bit in the in church scene. You know, I would be kind of curious too. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever asked him that, but that I, that would be a conversation I'd want to hear. Uh, Get him on Twitter. <laughs> the the thing that stands out between these two films, uh, John Wick and say The Killer, or or any like quote unquote traditional John Woo movie. Um, John Woo's execution of gunfights is. Uh, the term that gets thrown around is a bullet ballet. Okay. Um, it's very artful. Uh, his being a Hong Kong film director, uh, melodrama is very common in Hong Kong films, and The Killer is no exception. Um, there's a point where there's like church choir music playing over, <laughs> over a gunfight in this movie. Um, oh, yeah, and there's doves flying around. There are the doves. <laughs> there are doves up the ass. <laughs> but. John Wick, uh, however, the choreography in those films is very utilitarian. Uh, it looks slick and dynamic and awesome, uh, but the actual movements are very practical for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very get get rid of this person, move on. Get rid of this person, move on. Uh, whereas John Woo's stuff doesn't really take practicality into into oh, consideration no. at all. It's like kind of like whatever looks good and feels right <laughs> so i don't i don't know if he would have as much interest in the in the john wick style um, i actually haven't seen that manhunt movie that i mentioned at the top of the episode mm. uh i do have it in the mail 
on on its way though. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm very curious to see actually what a uh, John Woo film, like a traditional John Woo film from 2017, looks like. Um, maybe it does look like John Wick. Um, but yeah, Chow Yun Fat blasts this guy in the gut. He like dumps half of the clip into him because why not? Yeah. And then he does this move where he he jumps backwards into the room. So like he goes back first through the doorway and he falls into the middle of the room. And the two people that were like posted up to guard the door, uh, he catches them off guard and he blasts them. Uh, and then we get a pretty cool gag in here where like I think there's only like one guy left, and uh, Giant Fat kicks a table and there's a revolver on it that like flips up into the air and he catches it in midair and shoots the guy with it. It's it's just a neat little gag that kind of stood out to me. Oh yeah, by the way, the the squibs in this movie are plentiful and they're quite tasty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, which brings us to the blinding scene. Uh, yeah, very pivotal he, moment. Um, he he has what's her face, Jenny. He has Jenny um, like sitting like right next to him, and then the dude just pop up out of nowhere, and he has to basically has to shoot in front of her face, um, and it ends up blinding her. Yeah, the the muzzle flash like goes off right in front of her eyes, and. Bear in mind, Giant Fat, like, I think if I remember right, she, she like, falls on top of him. So mm-hmm. they're both laying on the ground, and Giant Fat is laying on top of her for a moment. And he actually gets shot in the back because of this. I, I noticed that. I thought it was somebody else because the, he doesn't – it, at first, he doesn't address it at all. But then they get to the <laughs> church where they're doing surgery on him. Um, <laughs> Then I'm like, oh, he did get shot in the back because it looked like it was somebody else. Well, I don't know if you could count this as a John Woo trope, uh, but I mean, in Hong Kong movies, people are just hard to kill. Yeah, I can <laughs> see that. I, well, not the Steven Seagal movie, but but just people are harder to kill apparently in Hong Kong because um, yeah, a hero character uh, just has to get shot like 20 times before he goes down. It's just a rule. Did you did you see in Bruges? Have you seen that movie? I have not, unfortunately. Okay. That's something you're, we're probably going to have to do that real soon. Um, but there's um, a similar a similar thing in that movie with uh, with a gun and somebody going blind. Uh, very, very, mm. very funny in Embrush. Um, <laughs> not so, so funny here. <laughs> yeah, not so funny here. Uh, I'm going to write that down real quick. Embrush. Okay, we'll, we'll add that to the list of uh, things to catch up on. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so, yeah. We, we cut away from uh, Jenny being blind and him trying to help her. He act, he takes a, uh, a scarf, I believe, and wraps it over her eyes. But then yes. we just like cut away from that. So I guess he just dumped her there in the in the in the lounge and left. Bye. <laughs> With bullets in his back, by the way. And yeah, like uh, Kyle mentioned, um, we jump back to the church and uh, we get a I don't know, like a, a cop movie or like a Rambo movie scene where uh, they're pulling bullets out of his back uh and then we, and then we cut to a shot of the you know maria statue <laughs> yeah uh symbolism not entirely sure what it means but it's a man suffering in a church yeah <laughs> yeah and then we get the theme music that it's this piano theme that fuck this music is amazing and this is why i cried a little bit bit during this movie not during this scene oh, okay. scene I'm, the scene in question would be the one towards the end but this is the first instance of it and uh we use it to transition to 
six months later. But before that, uh, during during this musical interlude, we get a nice a nicely lit scene. Um, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but uh, the way this film is lit and the way uh, the color palette is arranged it really jumped out at me this time more than any other time I've watched it. Um, I think because every other time I watched this, I was a teenager and I was more interested in just watching the violence <laughs> rather than the artistry. You see, the, the image quality of the movie, I mean, this is a DVD. I don't know if it has a Blu-ray release, um, but the image quality was more distracting so i wasn't able to pay attention to lighting as much in this movie See, or the color i kind of like i kind of like the shitty quality of the dvd uh because this film as far as i understand it does have a blu-ray release however if you read any review for it apparently it's shit quality like dead alive it's they it, it reminded me of dead alive like dead alive the image quality on that is garbage and i can yeah. see why a blu-ray wouldn't really help well uh, chinese films uh up until about the 90s uh, were notorious for not looking very good like I don't know if it was the equipment they were using or the post processing or what but um, sound was actually that was actually the the worst thing in Chinese films up until about the 90s everything just sounded like crap mm-hmm. sounded very scratchy and just garbled and messy I think part of it was that almost like a lot of Chinese films especially Hong Kong ones get dubbed so maybe audio wasn't taken into consideration as much. But this was, what I watched was mostly dubbed. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, I kind of like the grain. Like it's it's not a well preserved film, as far as I know. There's like just not a good version of it that's out there today. But I kind of like it. I think it contributes like a a look and a feel to it. Um, I like the gunshot. That's, that's just me personally. I really like the gunshot noises in this movie. I, I don't know why they stood out. Uh, Dude, um, have you ever... Like, when was the last time you watched uh, The Terminator? Oh, it wasn't very long ago. Honestly, I think it's when I... I think I was living here in uh, North Carolina. So it, within the last couple of months, honestly. Okay, well, I had an incident. An incident? <laughs> where I was watching uh, The Terminator movies, all of them, with my ex-girlfriend. And she hadn't seen them. I was like very adamant. You need to see these yeah, fucking you need movies. To see those <laughs> and we were watching the first one. And I, I went out of my way to order like a Blu-ray box set of the Terminator oh, movies. That's worth having. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're watching this movie. And this is my first time watching the Terminator in HD. And the moment a gun went off in the movie, I like hopped out of the bed and was like, fuck. That's no. real? No. <laughs> no, I was upset. It was it that bad? Uh, somebody thought it was a good idea to go back and redo the audio. Are you ser- are you serious? Yeah. So all the gunshots were like crystal clear, like HD quality sound, and everything else in the movie was you know boiled eighties crap. So like the Sarah Connor, yes, like that whole the, like one all of the dialogue, faint- all the music sounded exactly as I remember Jeez. it. But every time there was a gunshot, oh my god, it was like what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many and the gun, the gunshots in the Terminator, you know, from relatively the same era, kind of had that grungy sound to it, where it doesn't sound real, but it sounds impactful and it sounds dramatic, and that's what we got in the killer. But that that just brought to mind that memory of me flipping the fuck out and my ex girlfriend just being like, "What's wrong? (laughs) Like, I thought you loved this movie," and I was like, "I thought I did too. (laughs) I thought I, I I thought I did too." (laughs) But um. 
So yeah, we, we get this uh, nicely backlit, like it has this like ethereal quality to it, and I think it's supposed to play into the theme that, uh, you know, Jenny is now blind, and she's in a hospital, and everything's like super backlit and white, and, and she's she's supposed to be blind, so I'm guessing you're supposed to be getting a feel for that, that's like, oh, this is what maybe it looks like for her. Um, but as the police are interrogating her, um, we get this it's like the only instance of this in the film but it's kind of cool where uh, they ask her what did the man who did this to you look like and we get this really cool shot of Chow Yun-Fat looking slick as fuck <laughs> um, standing like James Bond and like shooting directly into the camera and this like blood wave splashes up from the bottom of the screen and I just thought it was a really neat uh, image because it's like she knows his face it's like burned into her memory and that's kind of what she pictures when she thinks of him the, as you mentioned the uh the angle there's a lot of upshot angles in this especially on chow yun fat um i really really liked him there was two specific shots that i really like and i'll mention them when we get to them but um i i really liked his his use of the upshot on uh on chow yun fat no it needs to be said uh john woo does have an eye Mm-hmm. Like he makes handsome films for the most for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, this one in particular, I think, stands out as a, a better example of that. But also, it helps that Chow Yun Fat is just charismatic as fuck. He's very charismatic. He's very charismatic, and he's very tall. <laughs> he, he stands out anywhere you put him. How many how many of those Pirates of the Caribbean movies have you seen? Any of them? I got up to four. Oh, you did. Okay, okay. Um, there are now five. <laughs> I got to the fourth one. It's not good, but I like Captain Jack Sparrow in that. Javier Bardem was just wasted in that movie. Oh, so you did see the fifth one then? Is that the Javier Bardem one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then yeah, I have seen that. Oh, see, I haven't. Um, I'm curious to see. I, I do actually want to see it just to see what that looks like, what Johnny Depp phoning it in <laughs> like 100% looks like. He's still in, he's he's still the character. Like he he's lock, like he locked that character down. Like he can I think he can just jump right into it. Uh, How's Jeffrey Rush in it? Is he in the fifth one? Yeah. <laughs> that's not good if you couldn't that, remember Jeffrey. That's a Rush. Conver- that's a conversation for another time. Well, okay. we can, we can get into the Pirates of the Caribbean movies at some point. Um as I say, well, I we're, mean, we're we 30. are talking about John Woo and Hong Kong films, and it needs to be said the Pirates movies clean up in Asia. Uh, <sighs> that's, I mean, Chinese market is a big reason that that franchise is probably still continuing on. Most likely. Yeah. Uh, but we cut to six months later, mm-hmm. and uh, as it so happens, Chiang Fat, Jeffrey, uh, has been just hanging, like, hanging around Jenny this whole time, as far as we can tell. Uh, she's working at, I'm not sure if it's the same nightclub, but she's working at a nightclub as a, uh, as a singer. Uh, she has a tip jar and everything, but she's, she is very much blind. Of, she's visually impaired. Um, we get this really awkward scene where uh, he's watching her, he's admiring her, she's singing a pretty song, and she steps out into, into the street, and these two dudes run up on her and just grab her. And like, yeah. <laughs> I just, I was like, like that is a blind woman. <laughs> yeah, sexual assault. Yeah, I have it written down. Um, Chai Yun Fat saves Jenny from attempted sidewalk rape. Um, th- there's sexual assault in Face Off as well. That's uh, when John Travolta rips the uh, hide from that '70s show out of the car, and uh, both Scientologists. Uh, 
throws yeah. him out onto the uh, lawn and kicks the shit out of him. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, uh, he. Yeah, these two dudes like try to t- try to like a uh, blonde-haired lady from RoboCop. This gal, <laughs> like, um, and yeah, Giant Fat runs out and he kicks the fuck out of these mm, guys. Yeah, like he goes to town on deservedly, like, he, deservedly. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't just like save her. He beats the shit out of them. Like yeah. the one guy just won't fall down, so he just keeps punching them. And then the, the other guy, the the cherry on top, is he he. Uh, ECW hardcore matches him with a fucking garbage can. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the part where you fall down. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Uh, quote Johnny Cage. <laughs> Lyndon Ashby. But yeah, Lind- Lyndon Ashby. Uh, I-, I sent you that trailer for that Die Hard ripoff he did, right? I'm sure you did. I, I can't okay, remember. Okay, right apparently now. it got like a Blu ray release recently. <laughs> I'm kind of curious if it's any good. <laughs> Just to know that Lyndon Ashby did another movie makes me happy. I had no idea he did any other movie. You know, I wonder like what the ratio of people in this country who who know and don't know Lyndon Ashby's name. I like, think how how many people in this country, if you pointed at him and said, "What is that man's name?" would I, actually know. I would say thirty percent of people who actually have seen Mortal Kombat and like it know who mm. Lyndon Ashby is. That's. Wow, that's a bad number. Thirty yeah. percent of people who like Mortal Kombat—that <laughs> is a very, 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 very small percentage of the country. So, hey, Lyndon Ashby, how many times do you get mistaken for like ugly Chris O'Donnell? <laughs> it's like too often. Too often. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we go back to Jenny's apartment and uh, super brightly lit apartment, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Um, but it's on purpose. Uh, it it has a look to it that looks very stagey and it it looks bad like on film it just looks bad it yeah. looks unprofessional and ugly but uh they save themselves by having jenny mention that she can only see shadows and at one point it's funny because chalion fat is uh walking around her apartment and he's like aware that she's blind so he turns off one of the lights and she notices she's like why did you turn off one of the lights <laughs> asshole this is my house by the way <laughs> Um, but yeah, she mentions that she can only see shadows, so she can see like differentiations and different shades of light, I guess. Uh, so that, I guess, is the reason for why it's super bright in there. Um, and then Chayan Fat happens to notice uh, a bloody scarf hanging from, from one of her garment racks, and it happens to be the same scarf that he tied around her eyes when he blinded her. And we get some neat, like, cross cutting. Uh, Although it is a little obnoxious, this is like the third time we've cut back to him blinding her. Yeah, um, we, we do get so. It. We do so in silence. But this is the third time in like five minutes. It's like we get it. We know what he did. We we were paying attention. We know who these people are. Yeah, <laughs> there are exactly three characters in the movie at this point. Yeah. we know who at least two of them are. Thank you, movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which brings us to uh, Danny Lee. Uh, yes the, the uh, cop yeah so he is uh with his partner and they've got a sting operation going um they meet some gentlemen on a dock at nighttime, and it seems that oh yeah a- this is going to go well yeah um they they're going to buy and or sell goods or services um so they they pull up and uh the two criminals 
recognize or they they know the one guy be like hey who's this other guy that was wasn't supposed to be menage a trois uh there there's only supposed to be one person he's like hey he's he's my guy he's just coming with me and they like search him they they search his partner they find nothing of course and uh is it danny lee that goes to the trunk of the car or is it his partner danny lee does and he does a little trick here where he's inspecting the goods Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a trunk full of guns I mean, this yeah. this scenario here is every movie I used to make when I was in high school with my friends with airsoft guns. <laughs> um, gun deal gone bad. Oh no, I spoiled the gone bad part. <laughs> um, Rush hour. Yeah, uh, when when he's a uh, yeah. <laughs> in in my movie, they end up in the bathroom so we can clean up more easily. Because, Makes sense. You know, blood splatter on tiles a lot easier than carpet. Um, uh, but yeah, he's inspecting the goods, and we see that he. He has uh, one of those quick loaders for a revolver. Yes. He has it ready to go in his pocket. So he does get patted down. Like, they do check to see, like, are you armed? He's not. But he has one of their guns, and he has bullets for it. And I believe this is when a traffic cop rolls up on them. Yeah. Unexpectedly. (laughs) Bad luck. And very quickly, everything goes to hell. And we get this interesting moment where... um, Danny Lee is trying to load this revolver, and it seems like he's almost thinking about like pulling the gun on the traffic cop to to salvage the deal, I guess. Uh, but before he can do anything about it, the the people he's dealing with, the bad guys, uh, yeah. they start shooting. Pretty much everyone gets a taste of it, except for uh, except for Danny Lee. Yeah, I think his partner gets shot in the forearm, and a uh, traffic cop gets outright killed. Uh, Maybe one of the only people in the movie that gets one bullet and dies. (laughs) See, there's that moment in the town where they rip off the bank and the nun masks, and they get all the way back over to to the other part of Boston, and uh, they're they're changing. They're getting ready to get into a different car, and they just step out, and there's a there's just a um, a cop just sitting there in his cop car, and like he realizes what they are. He's like. Those guys have machine guns, they have masks, he can put two and two together. And instead of doing something, he just turns and looks forward. Like, he just doesn't say anything, which was really, really smart, (laughs) because they were going to shoot you. This cop had not seen that movie, Uh, so (laughs) if you see dudes talking and there's a, like, if there's a trunk in the middle of two sets of people, just, just move along. There's, it's probably not for you. You don't need to see what's happening. Yeah, no. Th- th- this is not. This is not people trying to, you know, get out their jumper cables or, or no. change a tire. Very clearly, there is something of an import in that trunk, and you don't want to know what it is. <laughs> you have no business knowing what it is. This movie, Rush Hour. See the the the, the cop in the town got it. So <laughs> it's like he must have seen these movies. He's just like, oh. Oh, oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> I have the solution. Oh, and that was bad on Chris Penn in that movie for... They were in, like, a the convenience store donut shop parking lot doing this. Like, did they not have any docks in L.A.? I mean, I I digress. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. But, um, so what comes of this is everybody's been shot except for Danny Lee and mm-hmm. one other dude. Uh, I'm guessing the guy who was leading the deal, uh, who was providing the guns. Uh, and we have a little foot chase. It's very brief, um, but it's kind of cool because it ends up on like a, a bus slash trolley. It's like a, it looked like a yeah yeah, um, and yeah, Danny Lee hops onto the he like gives chase and he he hops onto this trolley, 
and we get this like nice like De Palma-esque or like Hitchcockian moment where he's on the trolley it's very crowded and he knows the bad guy's on there but he can't find him and when he finally does uh, we get a nice standoff where uh, the bad guy grabs a lady hostage and puts you know classic puts a gun to her head and without even really thinking like Danny Lee just caps him outright but we get this neat sequence where the bad guy falls down uh, he dies a few seconds later but we keep cutting back to a, a woman on the ground clutching her chest so I guess the uh, the violence caused a woman to have a heart attack yeah and it's like oh shit you're not a good cop <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I thought that he didn't re- he didn't know what the guy looked like very well and how he kind of points him out is he sees a guy with a really really sweaty face that's what I yeah. noticed I'm like oh that's yeah. him yeah there's a gentleman sitting down who looks like he's out of breath and yeah. sweaty and that is how he spots him and when they make eye contact with each other is when the bad guy yeah. takes action but yeah it kind of <laughs> it's kind of like the first instance of of it maybe pointing out that Danny Lee's maybe not the best cop no like I mean he he cares maybe too much Carter but he's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of parallels between rush hour and this uh <laughs> he, he is Carter <laughs> one man lost a pinky uh um yeah so he the next uh later that day or the next day uh he's being chewed out uh by his boss basically like dude did you not like did you not take in consideration there were innocent bystanders there were like 30 people between you and him you were literally okay so he's literally in the worst case scenario for a hostage hostage situation you're in a very small space with a ton of hot like a ton of innocent people like <laughs> this is the last place you take a shot you might as well be in a shed <laughs> seriously <laughs> a hostage situation in a shed <laughs> yeah and hey, maybe put the gun down because you might hit somebody this shed's yeah. full <laughs> but yeah, yeah he, he gets chewed uh, he, out he, because he, of his yeah he's not a very yeah. good cop yeah, he has a he has a little tirade here he doesn't exactly defend himself all that well although like you can tell he's a righteous figure. Like again, he he really believes in what he's doing, and he does believe in the concept of justice. But his methods are maybe a little sloppy, and his justification is that I just saw a cop get shot and die in front of me, um, so I did what I had to do. It's like ah, okay. Well, you know what? If that lady's cholesterol hadn't been so high, uh, they wouldn't be having this conversation. See, he should have said that. Yeah, like maybe she should have eaten better. You ever think about that? <laughs> Maybe she should have lived a better life. Yeah, not my fault. God. Yeah, maybe she should put down the Lunchables. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, can't uh, eat lunch. A man cannot live on Lunchables alone. A man cannot subsist on Lunchables alone. <laughs> I wonder what the Chinese equivalent of Lunchables is. <laughs> oh, probably the, the packaged noodles. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it, actually. Well, I mean, sodium content, shit. <laughs> um, so we cut back to uh, Chai and Fat, and he has another meeting with our boy Sydney. Yeah. Uh, His BFF. Sydney has a proposition for him. He's got a, He's got a, another hit for him. He's got a $1.5 million contract to kill. Is this a politician of some kind? I was assuming. I didn't catch Hang. It was his name. Uh, or Chang. He, I think it was Chang. 
I think it's Wang. <laughs> okay, I'm racist. <laughs> you racist. There's no. There's a Chang in here. I do believe. Chang Chang is a uh, Danny's partner. Yes. Okay. I'm not racist. See. <laughs> um, I don't. I can't recall if he's a politician or a businessman. Point is, he's connected. I feel like he's a politician because he. Okay, so um, he ends up accepting the contract. And uh, now we get to the boats, which I, I really liked this scene. This was a, I, I thought this was well executed. Um, it seems like there's some kind of rowing competition of mm-hmm. uh, boats. And you can tell that these guys are all legit rowers because they all look like it. It's, it's synchronized perfectly. And this guy is basically, um, I guess, blessing it would be the way to put it. Yeah, it's like the opening ceremony for the race. Yeah. And there's a, I think in the subtitle version i watched they called it the dragon race the dragon race so i'm guessing it's a a local event and uh the opening ceremony consists of having a uh, it's like a a, what's the sculpture you would put at the the bow of a boat um uh siren um anyway it's one of those it's a sculpture that you would put at the head of a boat and uh it's a dragon head Mm -hmm. and uh this this gentleman uh Tony Wang, by the way. Wang, there it is. Wang. Tony, Tony Wang with the amazing mustache. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, he is brought out from the crowd, and he um, not only has like bodyguards, but the police, including Danny Lee, are uh, assigned to protect him because it, somebody put out the word that uh, he's a potential target of some sort. Uh, so Danny Lee is present for this, a cop. And uh, Mr. Tony Wang is brought out to paint... Uh, paint the eye of, yes. this, of this dragon and he does a shit job by the way it's a figurehead by the way um but yeah he does a terrible job of painting yeah, he it. does a terrible job painting these eyes it's all sloppy and like whoever whoever mixed this paint really really just shit the bed like, it's all thin and like it's not the right consistency so this this was filmed in hong kong but it wasn't quite on location actually i don't think we get we don't get any kind of like downtown like any downtown shots or anything like that we do get a shot of the city at one point but we don't get like any cool noteworthy um locations in in the city that i can think of um you know what i mean sound like you were born in kowloon bay as opposed to hong kong i was gonna say i think this is the only i think it's in kowloon bay that this i was uh, born in kowloon bay (laughs) yeah that's what i was gonna say is like there's not a lot going on except for this is the one the one shot, I'm like, I think this is Kowloon Bay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you have it. Uh, Dream of some young guy. <laughs> I think we could bring up Wayne's World. We've referenced Wayne's World in several of these episodes, and uh-huh. many to come, I'm sure. But <laughs> it's, it's just such a well-rounded movie. You can just you can point it out to a lot of a lot of movies we've done. <laughs> yeah, it it it's universal. It applies to everything. Jeez, oh, but yeah, this. Uh, I, I actually checked to see if this was Kowloon Bay, but I, I'm not entirely sure. No, I, I don't know. But um, So while Tony Wang is shittily painting this eye on this dragon, uh, we cut to Chai and fat uh, He has a speedboat mm-hmm. in the middle of the bay, and he has a disguise on. I love his disguise. <laughs> He's got a pretty slick disguise on. He's about to ask um, somebody if they ordered a pizza. <laughs> looks like. uh, he's got sunglasses. Uh, late late eighties sunglasses, so mm-hmm. gigantic, and all black. Um, he's got like salt and pepper hair, mm-hmm. uh, and a fine ass fake mustache. It's a pretty good fake mustache. 
What's really funny is a, a lot of the promotional images for this film have this version of Chow Yun Fat on them. Interesting. I did not know like, that. Like a lot of like the international posters for this movie have mustachioed Chow Yun Fat, and it's like why? Like that's him in disguise. That's that's like a couple minutes of the movie. Well, isn't that? Oh no, Bruce Willis is all blonde in the Jackal, right? He's uh no, he he goes through many many different okay. looks. That, that was movie. one of the. Have disguise. you seen the Jackal, by the way? I've seen. I think I tried to watch it, and I got like twenty or thirty minutes into it, and then I just started playing Candy Crush or something. Okay, <laughs> like I, just, I I might make you watch that because I happen to really like it. I. It doesn't end well. Like the last twenty minutes of it are very, very disappointing. But um, the build-up is kind of excellent, if you ask me. I almost watched Twelve Monkeys. I didn't know if it was Terry Gilliam. I was looking at Gilliam flicks, and um, Twelve Monkeys popped up. And I've been meaning to watch it for years, uh, but I just oh, haven't gotten uh, around to it. Speaking of which, um, I was not aware of this. <laughs> um, that uh, uh, Don Quixote movie. Uh, oh yes, Terry Gilliam was trying to make for the past 10 years or yeah. whatever it came out oh it did with adam driver adam driver yeah it came out like earlier this year no shit i don't think it got very good distribution but i guess it it did come out i don't know where my phone there it is okay i'll look um, I'll... So, yeah uh, i'd be very curious to see how that turned out hmm. i don't imagine it's very good <laughs> especially hmm. since neither of us heard about it until now no um but yeah, anyway, uh, Chayan Fett has a, I think it's a Dragunov, that's a Russian sniper rifle, um, and he's scoping out Tony Wang, and there's this thing that, I don't know if he, he's kept it up, but both uh, the killer and hard-boiled, John Woo likes to give his characters, like, aiming tricks, kind of like a, kind of like Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon, you know, his, like, head cock. Oh yeah, he turns, yeah, he, yeah, uh, where he, he rolls rotates his neck his head. before he shoots, and then he can't miss after that. Yeah, he can't miss. No, he <laughs> like, miss. the bullet curves. Like well, he, he, when he, if when he, he if he gets that head all the way around, he can't miss. When he shoots the the big headed dude from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, uh, yeah, he's way too far away to make that precise of a shot with that kind of gun. With that kind of gun, especially. Um, but yeah, uh, John Woo likes to do stuff like that because I mean, if you're gonna have that many instances of shooting in your movies, you may as well make it interesting. Yeah. Um, and one thing he likes to do, like I said, in both The Killer, uh, Danny Lee does this, um, as as uh, shown in the, the bus shooting. Um, and it happens again in Hard Boiled. Um, the trick basically is you, you look, you zero in the target, you look away, and then you look you look back, and then just instantly snap to it and fire with, with like no hesitation. And uh, it comes into play big time in Hard Boiled. And it kind of happens here too, because we get a lot of tense shots. And again, this is very like De Palma esque, very like Hitchcockian kind of good, yeah, good tent, good tension building. I really enjoyed this actually, the build up. It took like um, twelve minutes. I was for sure he was not going to shoot him. Uh, yeah, that's that's a sign of it being done well. He, um, and, yeah, you know, the music is is tense, and and there's not a whole lot of sound other than like ambience, like just like crowd noises, and uh, basically what happens is. Chayun Fett aims at him and then puts the gun down and then like you said it's like is he gonna do it or not and then very quickly though uh, we get this like snap moment where he just puts the rifle back up and without even blinking caps him straight between the eyes head sh- oh it was right above the 
it was like perfectly centered right yeah, above, right in the forehead right in the forehead um, and then two more times yeah. just because <laughs> head shot heart shot and then back heart shot like so it went boom boom yeah because he's not dead <laughs> this is hong this is hong this is hong kong man you gotta shoot people like 50 times seriously uh just to be sure shoots him and then all of they're like oh cover him up uh cover him up and like it, the shooting's coming from somewhere on the docks or near the ships over there um and then the rowers start rowing uh towards i guess they're gonna catch him <laughs> they just start rowing over there um and then uh the two detectives um get on a boat and they're chasing him now yeah uh, speaking of which uh a boat? Uh, that is not where I'd want to be shooting from if I was aiming for precision. <laughs> There's absolutely no precision whatsoever. Yeah, yeah I mean you're, you're bobbing up and down. And it's like <laughs> it's just you're just wasting ammo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's funny if he like has to reload. He's like, fuck, I missed. Yeah. Fuck, I missed. Fuck, I missed. <laughs> like he's nobody got notices. <laughs> he's using all he has is a muzzle loader, so he <laughs> just fuck. shoots it once. I'll be <laughs> back. I'll be back to mo- murder you momentarily. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah, uh, during this this very brief boat chase, uh, my first thing to come to mind was uh, I think from Russia with Love, <laughs> the James Bond movie. Um, but more than that, it another James Bond movie it reminded me of was uh, Quantum of Solace. Uh, have you seen that one? I've only seen two Pierce Brosnan and one Daniel Craig James okay. Bond movie. So. I'll try to remember that going forward. If I mention James Bond, you probably don't know what I'm talking don't about. Don't <laughs> um, So Quantum of Solace has a really bad reputation. It's not very well liked at it, all. Is that the um, uh, Christoph Waltz? No, James that's Bond? A Spectre. Spectre, okay. Um, Quantum came out right after uh, Casino Royale, which was phenomenal. I saw Skyfall. Skyfall was right after Quantum. <laughs> okay, I liked Skyfall. Um. I did not very much. Did you like it? I like yeah, it. Yeah, I'm kind of in the minority on that, so I don't I understand against you for that. <laughs> uh, but Quantum is almost universally disliked, and uh, a big part of that comes from it being pretentious in a lot of ways. Like it, it feels like it feels like it believes it's more important than it is. It feel it feels like the filmmakers thought they were doing something more artful than they actually were. Mm-hmm. And maybe the most glaring example of that is a a foot chase. I think in Spain, or I think it was Spain, um, where we keep cutting back and forth between some sort of local, like traditional uh, horse race, and James Bond chasing a guy, and it is infuriating to watch because it's like I get it. Mm-hmm. There's there are two chases happening parallel to one another. Ooh, <laughs> it's it's. it's artsy fartsy bullshit that it just makes it longer and stupider gotcha. and uh in the killer though we get a tasteful example of that where a few times early in this boat chase we cut back to the dragon race mm-hmm. and it it lends it some energy it's not over it's it's not overdone and it's it's nice as yeah. opposed to quantum where it's infuriating <laughs> um so uh chai and fat manages to escape he puts some distance between him and the cops, and he pulls up on a beach, which is, I think, like the organized like rendezvous point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his car think, is there. Yeah, he has a car ready to go, and uh, we get <laughs> back-to-back tense scenes where uh, 
he's like hanging out on the beach he's taking his time and there's a little girl like making a sandcastle mm-hmm. it's the most innocent like adorable little oh she's girl. adorable yeah yeah she's cute and we get this cool moment where the, the music is really tense and we see some bad guys like pulling out of a car and they're getting they're like setting up to apparently murder him mm-hmm. and uh the little girl actually, yeah. The little girl notices off in the distance that there's uh, a reflection, a reflection happening. Yeah, um, um, we get a neat close-up of her where she and Giant Fat exchange smiles, and he like waves at her, and and then we get this like sustained shot where her face, like her smile, just turns into like a oh kind of face, and it tips him off that there's something wrong. <laughs> it's Gary Busey, <laughs> black <laughs> sheep, <laughs> with a little mirror. <laughs> <laughs> governor Don- uh yeah governor governor tracy is that what it is vote for donnelly vote for donnelly <laughs> yeah sorry just the the image of it reminded me of that that scene in black sheep the sniper yeah, <laughs> <sighs> yeah we get an, like an overly cute moment where he uh, cute in the sense that it's like convenient and kind of silly the sunglasses uh, he, yeah he takes his sunglasses off to uh to look into the reflection of them to see the sniper scope in the bushes. I like that. I thought it was kind of cool. It was cool, but it's like not okay. It I it would have been better if he would have looked at the front of the sunglasses. That would have made a little more sense. But I'm gonna say this can't be done. I don't think that he could have seen the reflection. But I like the idea of it. I'm like okay. I, I did like it. It's just a little overly convenient and. I'd, you very easily could have taken it out and just had her, just had him see her face and know something's wrong. Yeah, but anyway, uh, he should have just been <laughs> shooting. <laughs> yeah, uh, he does a tactical roll uh, right as they start shooting. Uh, first of many tactical rolls, by the way. <laughs> um, and we get a nice shootout on the beach. A couple, I think there's a propane explosion at one point. That was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people get shot. And then, unfortunately, the little girl gets caught in the crossfire. Yeah, she gets hurt. She yeah. gets she gets <laughs> shot. She must have just gotten nicked because this this is a little girl. Like she's like probably seven or eight. Uh, if she had been shot full on, she'd be missing an arm. I would be assuming because she's she's a little yeah, thing. She, I mean, she takes a bullet from a submachine gun, uh, and she is very tiny. She's tiny. Um, by the way, uh, really slick editing moment. Um, the first shot that goes off in this gun in this gunfight, birds. <laughs> oh, no. We get a shot of birds like flying out of the bushes, and it's, it's just it's just cute. I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the uh, the explosion calls the attention of the two detectives that are looking for, or the two inspectors looking for Chow Yun Fat. Um, they're like, "There's an explosion. Let's go check it out." That's literally what they say. Uh, <laughs> they get up on the beach, and there's a full blown shootout going on. And uh, Chow Yun Fat, they start like. They see Chow Yun Fat, and then they start shooting the bad guys going after Chow Yun Fat. And Chow Yun Fat notices that somebody else is shooting at the bad guys, um, and they try to get him to stop, and he doesn't. He actually shoots kind of around him. He doesn't shoot him directly. We've seen how good of a shot he is. He does this on purpose. I think yeah, he realizes yeah. they're cops, so he shoots around him. And now we're in a car chase. Yeah, and he he throws the girl in the back seat. And the cop witnesses this. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, a character moment where he's like, hmm, whoever this handsome, very handsome, <laughs> salt and pepper guy with the mustache uh, has a heart. He makes me want pizza, and I don't even know why. <laughs> um, and yeah, we got a, a, another chase. Uh, they chase him to the hospital, and he manages to, again, put some distance between him and them. Man, Chang is 
a shitty driver. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, Danny, if I was Danny Lee, I'd just be chewing out Chang every day. Like, man, we had a boat chase with that motherfucker. We had a car chase. I'm sure we had a foot chase at some point. You keep losing this guy. I like this scene. I like the hospital scene. But there's yeah. also a, a couple of hospital scenes in Face Off, mm-hmm. weirdly enough. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Sean Archer's Sean Archer's wife, uh, uh, She she's like a doctor, I think. And we get a, a couple of nice hospital scenes in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the hospital scene. Um, Chow Yun-Fat brings the little girl in, and, like, what happened? Like, she was shot, and they're, like, they're trying to ask who he is, and he's just not saying anything. Um, they got the girl on the bed, and then uh, the inspectors uh, roll into the hospital, and they find, that they, they see the little girl, and all the people are like, where's where's he at? Um, and I think that one of the nurses was like, hey, you can't leave. Like, Chow Yun-Fat was trying to get out of there. Like, Yeah, um, I really like the way the, the medical staff are portrayed. Mm-hmm. Like, they're pretty fucking serious about what they're doing. Yeah. And what happens is uh, they won't let him leave. They won't let Chow Yun-Fat leave because he just brought a girl with a bullet in her. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, the inspectors come in, and we get a, a nice but brief scene where um, we get some more drapes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, here's <laughs> we some get drapes. some white drapes. And... uh it's very it's kind of like enter the dragon-ish with the, the hall of mirrors and they're looking they're looking <laughs> i didn't for even him. think about that and uh chai and fat appears uh i think he has like a doctor hostage uh standing between uh, no the cops and him he has he gets the drop on the partner he gets the oh chang god he, damn it chang yeah. dead weight <laughs> dead weight that fucking chang uh he fucking chang he gets the drop on him and he's got like he it's interesting because he's he's trying to like hide himself a little bit like he's he's hard to see uh if you remember when danny lee shot um when he shot the bad guy in the bus you could see him pretty well and we're seeing that he can't really see chow yun fat so he can't pull that same trick yeah um, it's a, it's a good observation. And he says to him, he's like, "Don't, don't interrupt the doctors." Like he's, he's basically like, "We're not going to make a scene here until we make sure that girl is fine." Which mm-hmm. I, that's why I really like that scene. I thought that was good. Yeah, and I like that the doctors kind of put all of them in their place. Where like the doctor says, "Ignore them." Keep yes, working. I like that. <laughs> I like that too. They're like, "Just ignore them. Keep doing what you're doing." Mm-hmm. I, that's, it's it's kind of neat. It's a good oh, scene. By the way, did you happen to notice Danny Lee's suit in this fucking movie? Uh, no. I was calling it the Beetlejuice suit. Does he? Have, oh yes, 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 yes. He does. At one point, he is wearing a Beetlejuice <laughs> suit. Because like, very two thirds of this movie, he is running around looking like gray Beetlejuice. <laughs> oh, it's like to be scary, that yeah. is not socially acceptable, sir. <laughs> Oh, so man. he's not a good cop, and he's not a good dresser. He's just not good. <laughs> and and his partner sucks. <laughs> like, Ugh. I swear he's a good character, though. I swear. Um. So yeah, now we get. I forget how, what happens here. Uh, the girl <sighs> survives. She'll be fine. Yeah, she survives. How does Chow Yun Fat get out of this? Giant Fat escapes, uh, he Pushes ducks him. behind the drapes, and he, he, he runs out the door, and he takes the keys out of their car, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he drives off. And again, I don't know why Danny Lee isn't chewing out Chang, because they get in the car, and it's like, oh, shit, we can't chase him. Did you, did you notice in the beach shootout that um, he shoots through a sheet there, and it catches on fire? Yeah. Um, I don't... I feel like that was a mistake. I think it was an accident. I, I think, think that was a mistake. I think... Um, so we I, we didn't mention that um 
when Sydney's giving him the job, uh, Chai and Fat is reluctant to accept at first, and he there is emphasis. I mean, I did explain at the top of this recording that uh, Chai and Fat's looking for a way out. Yeah, and this contract is a whole heap of cash. Uh, that he final is hesitant job. to take it, but he wants that money so he can get that cornea transplant for Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Sydney brings uh, a case of pistols. He says mm-hmm. uh, they have explosive head bullets. Your favorite, yeah. yeah. Um, which I'm guessing is part of the explanation for why the squibs are so gigantic in this movie <laughs> and uh, sparkly. <laughs> like you can see, you can like see the gunpowder going off in people. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Hong Kong safety regulations on uh, film sets. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like the sheet catching fire was likely an accident. Um, funny example, uh, the first Godzilla movie I ever had you watch, uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla. Um, there's that scene where the fins on Godzilla's back go up in flames, and uh, that was an accident. <laughs> uh, so it's the scene when Mechagodzilla is throwing everything he has at Godzilla. Oh, okay, okay. And Godzilla's back catches fire. And we get a close-up of the man in the suit just going, (laughs) (laughs) It was like Barney catching fire on live television. It apparently (laughs) happened. Um, uh, But yeah, that was an an accident. (laughs) Um, So, so, you know, pyrotechnics are a hell of a thing. It does, sometimes things go weird. (laughs) So do we get a, do we cut to the bad guy first before he goes to his friend to get paid? We cut to the Um, bad guy. I think actually we cut to uh, Danny getting chewed out again. Um, by the the short guy with the the glasses. Yeah, it's his yeah, boss. His boss. Um, yeah. this guy looks smelly. Yeah, he does not. He, just, he, he does just not look like smelly. an affable person. Yeah. yeah. Um, he gives him like Asian dad talk, where he's like, "I want a promotion, and you're standing <laughs> the way of that promotion. Do better." And Danny Lee is like, "Ah!" And then we get a a scene where Danny Lee is a uh, meeting with a sketch artist, and I I actually meant to go back and write down exact quotes of what he says to this guy. But holy shit, Danny is popping the world's biggest man boner over Chai Yun Fat in this scene. Like, um, the way he describes him is something like, like he looks righteous and courageous, and like yeah. he looks like the coolest person that ever lived. It's like, but he's also a killer. He's d- dangerous. He, in he a admires sexy him. Way. <laughs> he admires him from a distance. Uh, maybe yes. a little bit. Uh, basically, he's describing Steven Seagal. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, I watched the the trailer for Cartels that has um, the bad guy from Blade Two, uh, Luke, Luke Goss. Luke Goss. Oh shit. Um, George Saint Pierre. Oh shit. <laughs> and uh, Steven Seagal. Watch that trailer, man. You, I need to. It's the trailer. You got, you got me with the cast. Uh, you, yeah, it's right up your alley. Definitely watch the trailer for that. Cartels, plural. Okay. Is it 2018? <laughs> it's 2016-ish, I think. <laughs> right around okay. there. But, yeah, basically the way Danny Lee is describing him to this sketch artist is a paragraph lifted directly from an early Steven Seagal film. 2017. Uh, okay. he, so, yeah, he gets the sketch artist to work on him, and he puts his picture up all over his office, like, complete it's not healthy what he's doing like he should not be doing <laughs> this that this is a beautiful mind shit yeah this is this is a little weird a little weird buddy um, yeah. um so yeah so does chow this is where chow young fat goes to um his friend for the money yeah um 
or Fredo. This is his Fredo moment, basically. Very much so. There's a there's a funny moment in here that I wanted to point out though, where uh, uh, there the use of colored lighting in this film uh, is very intentional, but I don't exactly know what the meaning is behind it. But it's it's nice to look at. Um, so if I remember right, we cut directly from Danny Lee talking up how awesome Chow Yun Fat is. To a, a very tightly framed close-up of him in what I described as the purple and magenta hell dimension, <laughs> <laughs> where he just looks, just like upset and forlorn and just not happy. Um, and we cut to much like we did with Jenny being blinded. We cut to Chai and Fat, uh, like thinking about what happened to the little girl, mm-hmm. and we, we see that it's affecting him. Like he he's not happy about it, and. Yeah, he, he calls Sydney, and <laughs> it reminded me of the cable guy, uh, that shot of Jim Carrey in the shadows. With the spider like, making, across making the phone face. call. Yeah. I just, I feel very tired. Oh, sorry. Uh, I just had Steph watch that. We just watched that like last week. She had oh, never seen it. Movie. It's so good. I still love it. She I'm enjoyed it. You, man, I think Ben Stiller is underrated as a director. I agree. I, 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 I think he should agree. do more of it. Um, but yeah, uh, we get our Fredo moment, and uh, basically, Chai and Fat is trying to get Sydney to get him his fucking money, even though he knows uh, mm-hmm. the people who pay, who, the people who put him on this contract are more than likely the people trying to kill him. So why are the people trying to kill him? Is it because he blinded the girl? Or he blinded Ginny? Is that why? Because I don't remember it explicitly stated why they want him dead. It was my understanding that it was because he was identifiable. Um, okay. It's it because yeah. the cops saw him and and know who know have enough information to figure out who he is and how to find him. He's a hitman, and they're supposed to be, like, just in the shadows. You're not supposed to know what they look like or see him. So yeah, that makes sense. Like, how are we supposed um, to hire you if they know what you look like? Yeah, using the using the uh, sketch artist and. Danny Lee's observation that the killer has a heart in that he protected the little girl. Uh, they connect Jenny to the whole thing. Yeah, somehow. Um, it's they, real A to D. Yeah, they somehow connect Jenny to it in that they there was an incident six months ago where a nightclub singer was blinded and the person who did it apparently helped her. Uh, so they, they cobble together the evidence from that and they figure out kind of who he is and how to find him. But... Uh, when when uh, Sydney goes to talk to uh, the new the new boss Wang, so apparently Tony Wang, uh, his son, was the person who put out the hit. This um, is where they. This is where he hires a hitman. Hitman. Uh, that happens a little later. Um, but the new boss Wang is even his face is just punchable. Like, yeah, he just hates very punchable from moment yeah. one. And they they meet in the uh, the dark night blue hell dimension. Again, I don't know what the color means, but. Um, right off the bat, the new boss Wang, uh, the new Wang, <laughs> he's just a shit heel to to Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, like Sydney is, and we forgot to mention that Sydney's an older guy, and you get the sense that that should carry some weight, I guess, like at least in terms of respect. And boss, like the new boss Wang is a a younger guy. I mean, he's the boss's son, and he shows him no respect whatsoever. So, as I had mentioned, uh, they use they use the previous incident with Jenny uh, to case her, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> Danny Lee and Chang go to her apartment, and uh, Chang poses as like a the super basically, and we get this really oh, funny yeah. moment. We get this really funny moment where he's he's like taking out the garbage. So he's actually like doing the role. He's like playing the role of, yeah. of the super, and this old woman like ambushes him on the staircase and starts bitching <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny her bitching this whole sequence i didn't care for but i did like the lady chewing him out yeah um so yeah uh while he's trapped on the staircase being chewed out by this old lady um i don't know if this is iconic but it feels like a situation that you'd find in a lot of in a lot of movies this is robert de niro and al pacino sitting down at a diner talking is what's happening between these two kind of but it feels like an episode of frazier with guns kind of yeah i get what you mean yeah this is the (laughs) this is like the uh the shot from like the cover or from like the back covers when he opens up the door and they both have a gun to each other's head and uh yeah it's it's on the cover of the dvd yeah this is kind of like a comedy bit this is we have a blind person in the room and two people who are having a conversation that is misleading to the blind person. Yeah, um, I, I describe it as an episode of Frasier with guns because it, it's a it's a farce. Yes, yeah. it's, it's two guys trying to cover up a problem that's in plain sight. I feel like I should like this scene better. I, at this point, I'm like, we're just kind of pussyfooting around now. Like, I've, I feel like we need to... Tr- if there's a, some trimming of the fat, but this could be that, that time, but... This just also shows that Chow Yun-Fat is a bit moral, and he's like, I don't want to shoot you guys. I don't want to kill you guys. And he's, yeah, uh, <laughs> just adding to his character development and helping the detective kind of take his side eventually. But Yeah. Um, we did skip a scene here, and it's kind of an important one to me anyway, because this uh, preceding uh, casing of Jenny's apartment is when we get the apartment ambush. Uh, which is where Sydney goes to Chow Yun-Fat's apartment supposedly to pay him. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it so happens, uh, some bad guys, some of Wang's people, uh, followed Sydney and were basically brought along to help kill Chow Yun-Fat mm-hmm. instead of pay him. And we get this really great moment where uh, Sydney comes into Chow Yun-Fat's apartment, they have a little chat, and then uh, Chow Yun-Fat has a, has a gun pointed at him that mm-hmm. he sets down the table to inspect the suitcase of money and when he sets the gun down on the table Sydney very quickly with his supposedly bad hand um grabs the pistol and puts it in front of Chai and Fat's face and then when he um they have a tense conversation Sydney pulls the trigger and there's no bullets in it. Mm-hmm. so it shows that like the the level of trust here they're on two different wavelengths where it's yeah. like Chai and Fat doesn't trust him at all and uh as it so happens, the suitcase is filled with just scrap paper. Uh, so it becomes very clear very quickly that uh, the bad guys have no intention of paying Giant Fat. No. And uh, this is where the uh, aforementioned apartment shootout happens, um, where these bad guys show up at Giant Fat's apartment. Um, we get this really awesome beat where he kicks a chair back and slides across the floor and shoots a guy just as he's running into the doorway. I feel like I've seen that in another movie. I just, I, it'll come to me later. I feel like I've seen that, that same well, move. Well, you see it twice in this one. Maybe that's <laughs> um, what it is. Because we get another sequence where uh, Danny Lee uh, establishes a parallel between him and the killer. Uh, 
because immediately following this action sequence, um, we get to see like a crime scene investigation that Danny Lee's a part of. It's at the apartment, and we can see him like replaying the scene in his mind. Mm-hmm. We get this really cute moment where he uh, he sits down in the same chair that Chai and Fat was sitting in, and there's a rotating shot of the room with Chai and Fat in the center of the frame. That uh, as the camera goes behind a uh, a pillar, or a, I think it's like a window frame or something. Um, it go it cuts back and forth between him and Danny Lee sitting in the chain in the same chair with the same camera move. So it's like, ooh, they're the same. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, what's really cool though is it it's edited in a very leisurely way, but the way we cut away from that is um, Danny Lee kicks the chair and does the exact same move. Um, to Chang, who's coming up the stairs, he doesn't shoot him, but he just does the exact same move. So it's like, ooh, he's he's in his head, he's in mm. his mind. But yeah, uh, the whole uh, the whole uh, the whole thing that goes down at Jenny's apartment, it's it's like a Mexican standoff where Chang Fat and Danny Lee are pointing guns at each other, and Jenny's in the room, but she's blind, so she can't see the guns, and they come up with this uh, white lie. Where, Dumbo uh, and Mickey Mouse. Dumbo and Mickey Mouse, where they're apparently old football buddies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that would be soccer, correct? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, that's I don't, what I, I took think it, it as. This, I think this DVD was subtitled by, by Americans, so I don't know, actually. Well, when, they, when there's the shootout at Chow Yun-Fat's house, uh, they, or no, I'm sorry, not Chow Yun-Fat's, but um, his, his friend there, yeah. uh, the group of those workers are going by. It looks like they have a soccer ball when they're walking by so yeah, I'm guessing right. I'm yeah, guessing football yeah um, so they their nicknames for each other uh, through the end of the movie are Dumbo and Mickey Mouse and we get some cute stuff where like Jenny's like offering to get tea and was like showing Danny Lee around the apartment and the whole time him and Cheyenne Fat have guns in each other's faces mm-hmm. and <laughs> the the payoff with uh, Chang being trapped on the staircase with the old lady uh, is that she actually slips that like Oh, by the way, I was paid to just keep you busy. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Where are you going? He paid me to keep you busy. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah, and she yeah. even mentions that she was having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Chang's like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I can't trust anyone. So he scales the wall outside to get up on the balcony. And uh, something happens. He trips on something out on the balcony, which alerts Chow Yun-Fat. I know there are pigeons at some point, because of course. Of course <laughs> he paid for the pigeons. He's definitely going to use them. Um, but he drops it. It reminded me of uh, the end of The Untouchables. Like, it's brief, but... I don't remember The Untouchables very well. I just remember I didn't like it. Uh, it's, it I have the same relationship with that as I do Dick Tracy. It's like, I, I, want, I want so badly to like it. I the just, it's the just Louisville Slugger good. part with De Niro was the only part that I remember and liked from that movie. That was it. <laughs> I want him dead! I want his family! dead <laughs> i want his arse bout to the ground <laughs> yeah um yeah so his partner drops his gun chagun fat, fat steps on it i think he makes him go back down the drain if i'm not mistaken like he's like go get out of here basically <laughs> um so chagun fat he takes his opportunity and he starts walking back towards the bathroom she makes tea for for them and uh uh there's this one shot I really liked. Um, 
she's like standing in the middle of him and he's like here hand him the tea or something like that like she's like right in the middle and her his gun is basically right in front of her face like underneath her chin or something <laughs> uh, it, it was a funny little exchange right there but he's like okay i'm gonna go to the bathroom and uh they're still trying to play it cool because they don't neither one want the uh, jenny to know what's going on so chow yum fat goes out the bathroom basically and he goes, actually says, oh, me too. Oh, me too. She's like, she like kind of stops him. She's like, no, there's another bathroom over here. Um, basically, Chow Yun Fat um, gets down out of there and... Uh, Chang what's blows it? it again, by the way. Yeah, he does. And he looks out the, he looks out the balcony. He's like, hey, um, like get down there. He's going to come out. And he's like, I can't. There's a gun on me. And from behind, Chow Yun Fat comes down. He's got a gun on him. And I like this. He gets into the car with the gun still pointed at them and drives off. That's pretty good. Yeah, pointed like three stories yeah. up. Pointed three stories up and drives away with it out the window. I like that. It was pretty good. Don't you fucking do it. Don't you dare. So we have the Hitman Hitman. Yeah, I think the character's name is Paul Yao. And yeah. this guy looks like he thinks he is hot shit. He's, yeah. I mean, he's he a good-looking dude. He's like, a good-looking dude, he's but good he's real tiny. Yeah, um, he... He does think he is hot shit. Um, uh, he got sunglasses on 24-7. He's got greased back hair. He's got a slick black suit. So that oh. show that I've told you about, the Dan Harmon show, Community. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. The Ken, is it Ken Young? Is that? Jung. Jung. Ken yeah. Jung. He plays uh, a Chinese-Spanish teacher. And uh, there's uh, this really good episode where it's, um, there's a huge paintball war that happens on campus, and it's just gone on way too far, and the dean sends in Senor Chang, uh, and he's dressed just like this, and it, okay. he's, he's dressed like him at the end of the movie. He's just got like a, he's got like a toothpick in his mouth and sunglasses and a suit, and he's got a, a machine paintball gun, um, but that scene reminded me of that. I'm like, I think that might have been what they were going for, was this guy. could be. I this mean, guy. I, I don't know of a single Asian man on the planet who doesn't want to look like this guy, <laughs> <laughs> except without the short part. But um, it's funny, because I think the character's name is Paul Yao, but uh, I was calling him Wild Dog, because uh, have you ever heard of the arcade game Time Crisis? No. Okay, well... Uh, there's a character, and there are now, I think, four Time Crisis games. There's a character named Wild Dog, who is, like, the pimpest motherfucker who ever lived. <laughs> you may have to look him up. Um, but, yeah, when I was a kid, for sure, uh, I thought of this guy as Wild Dog. Um, so, you out there listening, look look up Wild Dog. Anyway, uh, Sydney, I don't know how many fucking times Sydney begs Boss Wang to let Chai and Fat go. Obviously, it's not going to work. Otherwise, we're not going to have a movie. Um, but Boss Wang pays a whole heap of cash to uh, Paul Yao to uh, assassinate the killer. Uh, and I think that leads directly to a, a parking lot assassination attempt um, from Chai Yun Fat. This is one of my. F- this is one of the really good upshot angles. Is when he's shooting at Boss Wang. Oh, with the with the revolver from the car. Yeah, from he's sitting outside of the car. Uh, that was a really cool shot. Um, yeah, so he's gonna gigantic be gigantic revolver, by the way. It's huge. <laughs> it's Lucille. It, it's the size of Lucille. Um, <laughs> he, so his plan is to basically kill the guy who's trying to get him killed. And this yeah. guy has a ton of security. Like he has got twenty dudes around him normally. Um, and 
uh, what's his face, um, cool guys, like, you want me to kill him? I need you to deposit a hundred thousand dollars to my account. Um, here's my account number, and then when I'm done, I want another two hundred thousand in that account. And he's like, and I won't. He's like, I don't care if he has a gun to your head right now. I won't lift a finger until that money's in my account. And kind of foreshadowing because that's exactly what happens next. Um, Xiao Yun <laughs> Fat starts blasting away at this car. There's a weird, weird something weird happens here, where. The driver just jumps out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> and then the car crashes. I Yeah. And Boss Wang is not dead. Like he's bleeding like crazy, but he's not dead and the guy just jumps out and takes off running. I don't know if that was to go get the crazy 88 or uh, cuz that's how many that's when I see that many people I just think crazy 88. Well, and they're all in black and white. Yeah. They're either in black suits or white sweatsuits. <laughs> they're just not wearing the masks. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's like the first of many insane dismounts in this movie. Oh, Dan, Danny Lee gets one on a motorcycle that is batshit crazy. There's a really good dismount that I want to I want to take that one. The, uh, the guys at the church? No, 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 oh. no. The one at the house. There's a double. Okay. There's a double one. Okay, well, make sure to point it out. Oh yeah, I will. <laughs> so yeah, a giant fat fails to kill Boss Wang, but he does wound him. He shoots him in the in the shoulder area. With this gigantic fucking revolver. I'll be honest, Which begs this... the question, why did he have a gigantic revolver when in every other scene he has an automatic pistol that has more bullets? Well, think if about... If he had more bullets, he probably could have kept shooting at him. His gun, connect, his gun connection is his friend, and he's not oh, friends with his friend right, right now. So he's right. kind of limited Maybe on he... supplies. Um, this was a very confusing scene. The, the garage sequence was very confusing um, as far as... The cars going different ways, like it just was a mess to me. I, it was hard to decipher. Well, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell who's in what car doing what, especially since um, it took it's just me quick. It took me this viewing to realize that um, Sydney was actually the person who prevented Chai and Fat from killing Boss Wayne. Sydney gives chase in a different vehicle, so there, now there are three See, vehicles involved. I thought that was, it was the detective when I when I was watching. Exactly. It. I, the first time I watched it, I thought it was Paul Yao. Yeah. But no, Sydney pulls out a pistol and shoots from his well, from his car and shoots at Chai Yun Fat. Yeah, because Paul Yao comes in later with yeah. with the gun. Yeah. So yeah. So Sydney gives chase. Man, Killer gets chased a lot. <laughs> yeah, he gets chased. And uh, a lot. they pull out to like a scenic view of the city. Really nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of smog, though. <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of smog. And uh, they have a nice, like, heart-to-heart here. Yeah. And there's a couple of couple of nice quotes exchanged here. Um, Chai and Fat tells Sydney, I loathe seeing you demean yourself by begging, mm-hmm. which is, like, kind of a bro moment. It's like, I know you're going to bat for me, but it hurts me to see you do it. And Sydney like, chuckles and says, I'm not completely without honor, am I? And they go, ha, ha, ha. And Sydney says, ha, let's go back to my pimp-ass home in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> that looks kind of like Val Kilmer's place in Heat. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we... The airport entrapment comes before the shootout at the house. So, um, this is where he has the phone... After this, he has a phone conversation with Jenny. Yeah. And, again, the town... Um, the, <laughs> the detectives are in the apartment and they're like, she's on the phone with him and I, she says that she's going to go, f- she's going to fly away. Like they're supposed to meet at the airport or something. 
Uh, uh, they're on a strict time limit now because apparently there's a cornea available in Singapore mm-hmm. that they need to go there and get it done real fast, otherwise someone else will snatch it up. And by this point, uh, the cops have actually spilled the beans on who uh, Yun Fat is to mm-hmm. her. Yeah, so th- there's no more mystery for her anyway, like as to who he is and what he did to her. But she's still very devoted. Like there's, I actually really like that. I hate that in movies sometimes when you know the the big lie gets exposed and you have they have to break up for a few minutes or whatever. This is like heat and the town mixed together. This movie, <laughs> seriously. Well, bear in bear in mind, both of those came after this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I did really like that she remains loyal to him throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, she is an unfortunate trope of a uh, of Chinese movies. Uh, lady characters almost never get anything to do. If they are, if they don't have martial arts ability, generally they're just there to look pretty, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately that's kind of her role in the story. Um, so yeah, they they get to the airport and uh, this was really interesting. Um, I like this scene a lot. Actually. Yeah, I really liked it. It was good. Um, classic misdirection. It's misdirection, misdirection, misdirection. Um, so she can't really see. And she just snaps for some reason. Like, the cops are there. Jenny's in, in there. She's waiting for him to show up. He hasn't shown up yet. And she just starts screaming in the airport. Um, she hears... You can see in the background, it looks like there's um, a head of a company, some kind of CEO or just really high up in the company, uh, is going to be getting on a, a, on a train. And he is surrounded by 20 dudes. And he's like, take care of the business while I'm gone. And all at the same time, they're like, take care on your flight or whatever. And the cops notice this, or the, uh, the inspector notices it, and he's like, okay, something's going on here. Um, and there's a guy in the middle. He kind of walks off. These guys go away. And then it looks as though Chow Yun-Fat, his character, is coming up to talk to Jenny. And she thinks it's him, and he they have an exchange. And the detectives run up. He runs away, they're chasing him down. Well, it's not actually um, Chow Yun-Fat. Chow Yun-Fat was the businessman. Uh, I guess he hired a bunch of dudes for the, the misdirection here, mm-hmm. which I thought was good. Um, his disguise, he's wearing like a goatee. He's got, he's got a nice nice goatee. Yeah, glasses, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so the, the cops are chasing this guy, and they realize they've been had. And yeah, so uh, Sydney was the person who yeah. walked up to Jenny, and he ran away and made a big scene, and even like beats up some cops he when does. they chase him to to mister to you know cause a distraction. Um, so Chai and Fat scoops up Jenny. When they when the cops realize that it's not him, uh, the inspector sees all those guys again, except they have um, a whole bunch of luggage with them, and he's like, "Motherfuckers, they're in the luggage." Well, actually, um, Chow Yun Fat and Jenny are on a conveyor belt, and they're already, they already got away. Yeah. Um, funny, funny little note here: the the whole big circle of identically dressed men—they're uh, all speaking Japanese. So are they? I'm guessing, yeah. They're supposed to be like a Japanese business crew or something, and and rituals like that are not uncommon. So. Gotcha. Um, but yeah. I, the the use of music and like some of the the high angle shots of the crowd scenes in this in the sequence, like it, it made me think of like a, a bigger budgeted film like The Fugitive or something, like it, it gives it like a big Hollywood feel and it's kind of cool, it's it's just a big scene with a lot of extras and it, it feels it feels expensive, mm. which 
lends a lot to it. But yeah, uh, they escape. Um, Sydney gets interrogated, and Danny Lee is very suspicious of him because Sydney's like pretending to be drunk, mm-hmm. and like the cops are just like, "Whatever, you're full of shit." Yeah. <laughs> um, we get that uh, that slimy, smelly looking. A superior guy like i think he's the commissioner or something he takes him off the case yeah he says you're off the case because you have a boner for the suspect <laughs> and, and then the... uh, we get a we get a shot of uh, danny lee smoking alone in the station mm-hmm. um it's kind of a interesting moment and instead of uh jesus iconography or you know catholic stuff he has like a chinese Confucius, deity i think him. yeah and <laughs> Giant Fat promises Jenny he won't kill again, by the way. <laughs> I swear I will not kill anyone. I swear I will not kill anyone. She even says at one point, like, he promised he wouldn't kill anybody anymore. <laughs> oh, that comes yeah. up. Yeah, that's coming up in the house shootout. <laughs> you don't know what movie you're in, ma'am. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is... Uh, uh, so, so, Chang, by the way, is put in charge of this case now. Chang. Yeah. Who has failed at every turn. <laughs> And I think this is where we revisit the parking lot. Um, yeah, this was really awkward. So Chang is tailing Sydney now because he was in the room when they interrogated him, and it was very clear that there was something suspicious about him, and that he most he most likely knew the killer. Um, so Chang is tailing him very poorly, as always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Paul Yao, I think, shoots Chang. Yeah, and we get this crazy car chase where. It's like, yeah, it's Chang chasing Sydney, and Chang being chased by Paul Yao. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like all the secondary characters chasing each other. It's, <laughs> so pretty... it's like the B plot chase. It's the B plot chase. Yeah, it's pretty useless. Um, I'm like, why is why are we in another chase now? Like this chase is inconsequential. Um, <laughs> but this is where the Chow Yun Fat and Sydney meet back up. Correct. Uh, yeah, uh, so Sydney comes back to the house, and Chang manages to like get to his driveway, but passes out because, of course, Chang. Um, yeah. And what comes of this, though, is that Paul Yao was involved in this chase as well, and so he now he knows roughly where Sydney is. And what happens uh, is that Danny Lee, um, Chang is taken to a hospital and dies actually um and we get kind of a neat moment where we cut back to him smoking alone and as it so happens uh he wasn't alone the whole time because we see the end of that sequence told out of sequence where uh chang walks up to him and they share a cigarette together and chang says some motivational shit like uh you can't win forever but you can't lose forever either yeah and it's like yeah that's kind of cool <laughs> But yeah, Chang dies, but he tells Danny Lee where Sydney went. So now he now Danny knows where the killer is, and he's pissed off because he's always pissed. And he hops on a motorcycle, and uh, Paul Yao follows him. Uh, so now everybody knows where the killer is. Yeah, this is where everybody he, knows where Sydney's house is. This is where he jumps off the motorcycle. This yeah, was, yeah, that was cool. That dismount look look it was extraneous as all hell. It looked dangerous as fuck, but it. He pulls cool. it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... um, he, he, he rolls up to Chow Yun Fat's house. Um, his BFF gave him like all these guns. He's like, here, you can use all my guns, all my ammunition. And 
Chow Yun Fat has got his really nice white suit on, so you know that the end is coming really soon. Um, he's packing up the the car with guns, with the, with the bag of guns, and he looks and he sees him. Uh, he sees inspe- the inspector running up, so he goes back in the house. Um, and this is where we have the moment with um, the detective and Jenny. Um, this is where she has a gun on him at one point. Yeah, I really, really like this part actually. Um, so what happens is there's a there's a standoff, another one, <laughs> where Danny Lee has giant fat at gunpoint in in uh, Sydney's house, and uh, Jenny walks into the room, and I think what causes the violence to ensue is that. Um, directly preceding this we see a bunch of dudes in white yeah <laughs> they're like throwing a ball around in front of the house and we we had mentioned these guys in white so you know they're gonna come into play a little later but uh one of them comes in like through a black a uh, back door and uh chayan fat shoots him so someone who's coming up behind danny lee and in reaction danny lee shoots chayan fat in the arm yeah um and then in the in the chaos because you know, it was a reflex. I don't think he meant to kill him or anything. Um, guns are strewn out across the floor, and uh, Jenny comes to Chai and Fat's protection, manages to get a pistol, and she points it at Danny Lee, and she's like, "Back off! I'll shoot you! I swear it!" And Danny Lee does this thing where he just like very slowly moves out of the path of the pistol. Yeah, because he's not threatened at all because he knows she can't see, and uh, she accidentally pulls the trigger, and her face like speaks volumes. Where she's just like, oh my god, is he dead? Did I kill him? And Chayan Fat's like, there, there. <laughs> like, no, not really. <laughs> um, so yeah, now this is where now they're unloading um, putty dudes. Uh, yeah, so instead of one goon, it's like everybody in the pool. Um, and this is where we have, uh, there's there's a shot where they're rolling into, there's two cars running through like the, the road, and the car in front two dudes jump and roll out of this car at the same time. Did you did you catch that? I caught that. That was really cool. Uh, yeah. Synchronized. That's, like, how you, that's how you exit a vehicle. That's how you exit a vehicle. It, it, yeah. Um, they shoot the crap out of these guys, and they escape. Um, yeah. They manage a lot to- of people die. Uh, Paul Yao shows up with some sort of shotgun with, like, explosive rounds in it or something. Yeah. It's kind of funny, actually, because, like, a whole bunch of people get shot and everybody's in white and then this short this tiny dude in a black suit steps from out from behind the corner and goes Ba-doom! and this yeah. big fireball blows into the wall <laughs> and then i think he, that's it that's his entire contribution to that scene um then then we cauterize the wound we yeah it's very rambo 3-esque yeah um, um so the bullet wound that danny lee put in Tryon fat shoulder uh they do the thing where you pour gunpowder into it and light it yep. to cauterize the wound. Uh, they have they have a smoke together because that's what you do, especially in, in a Hong Kong movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, they exchange some cool dialogue here, where, like Chai and Fat says, "Like the only person who really knows me turns out to be a cop." Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and uh, Danny Lee tells him, "I envy your freedom. I believe in justice, but nobody trusts me." And it becomes clear at this point that like. There's a mutual respect, and mm-hmm. Danny Lee actually keeps offering to arrest him. Obviously, as a way of protecting him, like, 
it's not that he wants to put him in prison for things that he did. It's like, I kind of like you, and it's pretty obvious that there are a lot of people who are trying to kill you, and I'm afraid that they'll succeed. Uh, which brings us to the church. Yeah. Um, um. There's... So this is the end of the movie. Um, like, actually, this is the end of the movie, because nothing happens after this. There's no, yeah. like... I mean, it's like a half-hour sequence, but it is the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, basically, it's the church shootout. They're back at the... Uh, well, before the shootout, though, Sydney gets his, his last ride into the sunset. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, there's a ticking clock element to the story now where uh, Jenny has mentioned a couple times up to this point that her, her vision is getting worse. Um, when Chayun Fett first talked to her, she had mentioned that she could only see shadows. Mm-hmm. But before that, she could see shapes. Like, she could see outlines of people. Um, now, he's like waving candles in front of her face and she sees nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, again, ticking clock. We gotta hurry. Um, so we cross-cut between Chai and Fett and Danny Lee having more bro talk in the church. And uh, uh, fucking Sydney. <laughs> uh, he goes to Boss Wing's house again. Again! Yeah. <laughs> to, to plead with uh, Boss Wing to let, let Chai and Fett go, give him his money, and we'll all be good. Um, pretty awesome sequence here. Uh, Sydney goes into the house and... Uh, Again, using his trick hand where he's like, oh, my hand doesn't work right. Uh, he, he fakes them out and manages to kill a whole bunch of dudes. Uh, unfortunately, not enough dudes because there's a whole truckload of them in the house. Yeah. Uh, and he gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, he does like, not make it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Sydney manages to escape. Uh, I believe he does get the money, uh, but he's mortally wounded. And unfortunately, he's not driving well enough to, uh, to escape uh, Boss Wang and Paul Yao. So, like, all the bad guys are on his tail, but he, he pulls up to the church uh, and he drops off the money with Chai and Fat. And we get a, a nice exchange. Like, it's a nice farewell where it's like Sydney's finally, like, 100% redeemed for the most part. Because he was kind of a shit deal. He did. He did pull a gun on his friend <laughs> earlier yeah. in the movie but uh boss wang calls uh, sydney a dog at one point and sydney remarks that it's like you know in some ways dogs are better than people and i took that to mean like loyalty i guess uh but yeah there, there's a weird exchange of dialogue here where uh sydney his like last words or something along the lines of like we're we're outmoded we're outcasts and I know you haven't seen it, but the the Wild Bunch, that's kind of the theme of the movie. Mm. And the sequence that's about to unfold kind of reminded me of that as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if if, uh, John Woo was a fan of the Wild Bunch, because there there are some parallels. Gotcha. But yeah, church fight. (laughs) You've seen Face Off, right? It's a church fight. (laughs) Uh, except a thousand times better because the yeah. church fight in Face Off was just like a boat chase. It's like two two gunshots. Uh, John Travolta gets stabbed in the leg, and then they're on boats. Oh, that's pretty much the that's whole. That's it. That's it. And then guy from Gladiator gets shot. <laughs> yeah, uh, guy with Scarface, Irish guy or whatever. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is this is a whole big shootout. Um, I was half paying attention at this point because I'm like, okay, it's a shootout. I'm like, kind of getting my. 
I was kind of like looking at my notes a little bit and like, okay, shooting out, shooting out. Oh, shotgun shells was cool. <laughs> yeah, shot shotguns and John Woo movies are always spectacular. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of jump shots. Uh, this is a, a pretty long. Yeah, a lot of diving. This is a long shootout. Um, I think it's only matched by when uh, Beatrix uh, kills the crazy eighty-eight. Like that is a freakishly long sequence. She's just running through people. Well, you need to see Hard Boiled then. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding. Like the killer, I think is the superior film, mm-hmm. but hard hard boiled in terms of long, violent shootouts, maybe the top of the heap. Mm. Like I think the the hospital scene in Hard Boiled is like 40 minutes long. No shit. Of just sustained violence. Wow. <laughs> it's like Dead Alive, but with guns instead of zombies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's some really cool moments in here. Um, really cheesy stuff that i love because i don't know it they can only do it in hong kong movies like mm-hmm. if if an american movie did this kind of stuff not only would people be saying oh that's so gay um, <laughs> <laughs> um it would also be laughed out of the theater um mm. like the moment when so like the gunfight begins with like danny lee and jenny both trying to convince uh chai and fat that's like we should leave and Chai and Fat, by the way, euthanized Sydney, and he, oh, yeah. yeah, he he killed him. He yeah. he shot him because he was mortally wounded to begin with, and Sydney asked for it. And you know, whatever. <laughs> They're both professionals. Um, and Chai and Fat has this emotional bro- breakdown where he's like, "I got no place to go. These people <laughs> obviously." <laughs> I got no, no place, place to, to go. go. <laughs> That's exactly what I just thought. <laughs> I saw your face. <laughs> uh, Giant Fat has this breakdown, and he, he says the line. And then he says, these guys will chase me to the ends of the earth. It's either me or them. So he decides to make a stand, even though it's probably ill-advised. Yeah. And when the fighting begins in earnest, it's just him. Like He's, mm-hmm. just, he's shooting all the bad guys, and it's just bodies coming through the doors and the windows and the ceiling and everything yeah. um, it's like the foot clan invading april o'neill's yeah. apartment that's exactly what i was thinking <laughs> it's, it's the nuts. foot clan <laughs> um and then when when things start to go bad though danny lee has this moment in slow motion of course uh we've neglected to mention just how much slow motion is in this film uh danny lee you know cries out and comes to his aid and chai and fat's smile when he should when he joins the fray is just beautiful he's just it's like yeah my boy <laughs> and then we get a back-to-back moment it's very uh x-men origins like back-to-back <laughs> and uh this is where the the scaffolding sequence that you had mentioned um very 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 similar to die hard 2 happens mm. here um so the sequence you had mentioned from die hard 2 is yeah the t-1000 uh fighting john mcclain um, they're standing on scaffolding. They're dressed up as like painters. And uh, there's this beat in the Die Hard sequence where uh, Bruce Willis is rolling on the ground and like taking shots whenever oh, his, God, his arms are stretched to the ceiling. And I think that was copied directly from this movie, except it was done a thousand times better in The Killer. Is that where he's rolling and there's like no human way, hum- there's no possible way he can be hitting anything? Like he's rolling so aggressively and you're like, how is he hitting anything? What makes it bad is not only that he's hitting them, but that he's rolling actually very slowly. 
And I think part of the reason they had him roll slow is because there's like squibs going off on the ground near him. And if you got the timing wrong, you could like blow up Bruce Willis, yeah. <laughs> which would be expensive and costly. <laughs> I don't. I think that Die Hard is the only Bruce Willis movie I actually like. I, I honestly like. I've seen a lot of Bruce Willis movies, and the I think fifth that's the element. I mean, yeah, I do like the Fifth Element, but that's that's. There's so much going on with that movie that it's not just it's not really just Bruce Willis. He only has like one sequence it's, where he's really Bruce Willis. It's a Luc Besson movie. Yeah, it's not a it's not a Bruce Willis movie. It's more Mila Jovovich's movie than his. I agree, but the only scene where he gets to be Bruce Willis is the shootout with Chris Tucker. Yeah. And, and that feels like it was just there for the trailer. Yeah. Just to get Americans to go see the movie. Yeah. And Chris Tucker steals those scenes anyway, because he's screaming the whole time. <laughs> but like, I was thinking... When like, he shoots out the, the floor underneath <laughs> <laughs> The timing on that was great. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, I don't... Maybe Die Hard 3 is good, too, but that's the, that's the Jeremy Irons and Samuel L. Jackson show. Like, that's their movie, in my opinion. Well, but. I'd have to scratch my head on that one, but you mean you don't you don't love the super duper special edition of Mercury Rising? Nope. A film that should be in everyone's home. Oh, <laughs> gosh, what I'm about sorry. Striking distance. Never seen it. It's not good. What about Death? Death becomes her. I remember liking that when I was little. Death becomes her is fun. I'm about to rewatch uh, that. It's, a, it's not a traditional Bruce Willis movie. I'd no. say it's more the the Goldie Hawn and uh, Meryl Streep show, but well, yeah, as well, yeah. What? I forget. I think that was Barry Levinson directed that. Uh, I think it's more his product than any of the actors, though. I think Whoever I hate directed it. I could be wrong. I think I hate the Last Boy Scout the most of his movies. My brother talks about that one a lot, and and not in a positive manner. No, <laughs> it's the worst Bruce Willis performance because he's just so much more his hungover John McClane self than normal. It's awful. Sorry. Well, I will. I I will defend the Jackal. We'll say that much. Okay. In Fair enough. Um, there's a nice moment in here where uh, our heroes start getting shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I said, John Woo movie, so our heroes have to get shot 20 times before they die. Yeah. Um, Danny Lee gets shot in the gut, and we get this really awesome editing moment where the sound drops out when he gets hit, and then a dove drops down. <laughs> I know. I saw that a, dove. It puts out a candle. I saw that dove. <laughs> how many... How many how many Chinese crew members were throwing doves at candles like oh, all afternoon <laughs> just I to wonder, get that shot? I wonder how many die on set because I don't know how long he has them for, but some of them have to die. Like, I'm sure. But we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> um, Paul Yao arrives and he makes his big entrance by shooting Chagun Fat. Mm-hmm. And obviously the fight's not going in their favor at this point. Um, it's kind of... <laughs> Again, very melodramatic, very cheesy, but the, the escalation in the fighting happens when uh, the statue of Maria gets blown up, mm-hmm. and that's when the choir music kicks in. <laughs> uh, it's pretty fucking beautiful. Um, and then as the music's playing, we get these tightly framed close-ups of both of our heroes exchanging knowing glances at each other, like, I'm with you to the end, brother. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fucking great. And then um, I actually wrote an article about just this like one or two shots um our heroes get their second wind kill a whole fuck ton of dudes and then uh they start to take the fight outside the church Mm -hmm. so they start head for the doors um 
and this super cheesy 80s music starts playing and they, they do like the super badass walk in slow motion to the door and uh they tell each other how much they love each other and how much they identify with each other and then freeze frame we get a pair of freeze frames of their faces smiling at each other and it's like just their faces in the frame it's fucking beautiful <laughs> I, I put it on my list of the manliest man moments in cinema ever <laughs> oh i've seen some manly man moments but yeah uh, it it's just amazing and again <laughs> for traditional american audiences i'm sure they're like well it's okay <laughs> the manliest man moment i think i've ever seen in a movie is when um Bryn- brendan gleason in uh braveheart his dad got got shot with an arrow and mm-hmm. he's chugging whiskey and they're about to cauterize his wound him <laughs> drinking the whiskey and then like knowing what's about to happen like that's probably the manliest thing i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> no i i put that one up on my list uh, i also put uh cameron poe walking like walking to the head of the plane in uh in con air got shot when he's like uh something about like i don't believe I don't believe in miracles or something like that, but he's like, I'm going to show you that God does exist, I'm Bubba. Sure <laughs> does I thought you were talking about when he gets shot in the arm and he just keeps walking like that's, he's that's a the fucking scene. Terminator. That's the oh, scene. yeah, yeah. He gets shot in the arm and he just goes, <laughs> and he keeps walking. Jeez. He doesn't flinch. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he doesn't even notice that he's been shot in the arm. Yeah, I put that moment on my list. At, uh, the killer moment was number four. And then... Uh, Number one was from uh, Sanjiro. No, it's from Yojimbo, which I don't think you've seen. Actually, I have to go to Barnes and Noble after we get done here. Um, Steph's gone this weekend, and I'm getting her Christmas gifts together and wrapped up. Um, I had one more I need to go to Barnes and Noble for, but I think they have a, a few. Cri- I think they have a Criterion Collection section at Barnes and Noble because I was looking online to buy Kagemusha. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh, Barnes and Noble. I'm like, we have a huge one just down the road. So I'm, I was gonna go over there and get hers. I'm gonna see if I can get that. I was gonna go with whatever Criterion Collection movie I've been looking for. That's there. And Yojimbo oh. was on there as well. Be mindful. Criterion just announced a uh, streaming service. Mm, I like, I like having the. Me too. Me the, too. Uh, yeah. As yeah. evidenced by my shelf. Um, but yeah, the the scene from Yojimbo is a uh, pretty special, and yeah. I'll let you. I won't spoil it. Okay. It's it's just a very badass thing happens in Yojimbo. I'm excited. <laughs> anyway, I'm actually I'm I'm um, hoping they have Yojimbo because I'm gonna go buy it. <laughs> back to the badassery of the killer. Um, we get outside the church and we have a standoff. Mm-hmm. Um, Boss Wang has somehow managed to grab hold of Jenny. He shoots the priest, by the way. That's how you know he's a bad guy. Yeah. Because uh, the priest was trying to help Jenny escape out the back door, and it's just little like friendly looking guy with glasses in a robe he does yeah. the uh the as soon know, as the maria statue blows up he goes he does spectacles testicles wallet and watch yeah he's like oh no <laughs> that's gonna be a bitch to clean up <laughs> and yeah uh we get this uh standoff where danny lee uh danny lee has paul yao captive by the way um, oh yeah so so both parties have hostages and for some reason, Danny Lee thinks that having Paul Yao hostage is going to mean something to Boss Wang. Well, first of all, I was assuming if you are a highly sought-after assassin, you know some karates. And <laughs> he doesn't know any karates. No, no, he's kind of worthless without a gun. Yeah, that, how are you a 
that's I mean that's the difference between a three hundred thousand dollar hit and a million dollar hit is the million dollar hit in those martial arts. Yeah. By the way, Chai and Fat was the million dollar hit. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly my point. Yeah. So, uh, Boss Wang dismisses Paul Yao by just shooting him. Good move. Um, Good it, move. He does this really funny thing where he has a gun to Jenny's head, and then with his other hand he pulls out a second gun, <laughs> and he puts that gun to her head to sh- so he can shoot Paul Yao with the other one. <laughs> it's a good move. I, it's a great move. That's a great move. Vil- like, if, if he had, you know... If he didn't have that second gun, he couldn't have done that. It's just like, I just love watching how carefully he does it. I was like, I still got a gun to her head, by the way. I need my good hand, though, because you can you can shoot someone with the left hand, but if, if you're right-handed, <laughs> you need your right hand to aim. But yeah, um, the killer, uh, I'm not sure, actually, uh, who's, who's aping who here, but uh, there's a die-hard moment again where Danny Lee has a gun in his, like, in the back of his pants. Kind of similar to John McClane having a gun taped to his back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because Jenny's being held hostage, our heroes have to drop their guns. And uh, what happens is Boss Wang makes the decision for them. Uh, he just reaches right out and shoots Chow Yun-Fat. Mm-hmm. And as he's falling, Chow Yun-Fat grabs the gun from Danny Lee's butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's a real MacGruber move. Very uh, much so. Jeez. And uh, he and Boss Wang both fall on their backs because uh, he shoots Boss Wang on the way down, too. So mm-hmm. both of them get shot. And we get this back-and-forth cutting rapid fire where they're both shooting at each other straight on. They're both, like, laying on the ground, like, looking up. So it's, like, a very uncomfortable position. And then Trevor starts crying Aww. because because the theme music starts playing. Chai and Fat gets riddled with bullets and his eyes get shot out. I both noticed that. Yeah, both of both them. Both of them. <laughs> and combination of slow-mo Chow Yun-Fat crying out in agony and the theme music just crushes me every time I see it. It's pretty brutal. Uh, it, him getting shot in the eyes, like him like kind of yelling is... It, his, he's a good actor. And him well, being in pain is like, you kind of believe it. It's, uh, it's kind of a heavy moment because we're not seeing a lot of... I wouldn't say this is gore, but it's a bit more graphic than the rest of the kills in this movie. Um, I think the headshot on that he does on the guy on the boat was pretty good, but this is kind of like not really supposed to be here, I feel like. Yeah. And that's why I think it was really heavy and probably why you had an emotional reaction because you've developed this character really well. Like, Chow Yun-Fat's very affable and so is his character, and then you throw in this, like, it's it's a bit much. It's, well, it's, it's the music, it's him, like, being very vulnerable and legitimately sounding like he's in agony. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not just pain, it's, it's also the fact that uh, we neglected to mention that when he and Danny Lee are talking in the church, he actually says, if things go bad, use my corneas to fix Jenny. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. that can't happen. No. Um, and Danny Lee runs up and like cradles him in his arms and, and he also good actor uh, is just like crying out his name he's like Jeffrey Jeffrey and he, like you can just tell that like he knows that it's like this oh, is my, it, friend. No. My, my friend my friend <laughs> my friend my friend and uh boss Wang takes off and Danny Lee gives chase and we get this awkward moment that I don't know what it's supposed to mean but it's effective where Chai and Fett and Jenny are crying out for each other and they're 
It's two blind people crawling on the ground <laughs> trying to find each other. <laughs> and they miss. Uh. They miss each other. Like, they're crawling around on the ground, and they just pass right by one another. Like. And Chai and Fett uh, overact a little bit here where when he dies, because he dies, um, yeah. he, like, splays out completely like he goes completely flat so like he spreads out when he dies he doesn't just like go limp he like spreads out like (laughs) yeah it's a bit much but it's i don't again i don't know what it's supposed to mean but watching two blind people try to find each other and miss is just crushing (laughs) yeah and then uh conclusion of the film is uh danny manages to catch boss wang but just as a horde of police show up at the church mm-hmm. good timing guys and uh, boss wang puts his hands up and is like arrest me arrest me arrest me and danny lee just like casually walks up and blasts the fuck out of him yeah and uh i kind of like his his last line before it fades to black where he just says jeffrey my friend and he, he just sits down on the ground and just yeah. looks devastated do you think that um, I, I I don't know what happened to the character, but uh, Brad Pitt's character at the end of Seven, do you think they charged him um, with murder for that at the end of Seven? Oh, um, because they put him in the back I, of a I, cop car, and I would imagine, yeah. Arlie Ermy's like, we'll take care of him, but he he didn't say it like. He didn't say like we're gonna book him or anything like that. It was more like we'll take care of him. Like, mm. like no, I'd, I'd imagine yeah, because that's grossly unprofessional, and he was in police custody. He was in police custody, but I think the circ. Ha, ah, that's tough. I, I I don't know. I don't know what they ended up doing with him. But yeah, I mean, it's not a question I need answered. But that <laughs> that that came to mind during this scene when he shoots the guy in police custody, and I'm like, I wonder what they're gonna do to him now. Well, it's it's like it's like the completing the parallel between the two of them, where it's like mm-hmm. he he was envious of Jeffrey's freedom. It's like this is an instance of him embracing that freedom, regardless of his position as a police officer. Again, there's a lot of symbolism, a lot of imagery in this movie that I don't entirely know what it's trying to mean, mm-hmm. but but it's impactful regardless. And I don't know. Uh, do you, would you be interested in seeing any other like Hong Kong era John Woo movies? You know, I've seen quite a few of his American films, and I, I think that if you consider this to be his best movie, it may not be his most popular um, Hong Kong production. But if this is your favorite one, I probably won't. I'll, because I'd have to say that this is my favorite of the movies I've seen of his. Um, I'll probably leave it at that. Okay, that's fair. Um, just because you, I can see so much of Face Off, like, and I can see where it doesn't, it doesn't work very well in Face Off. It works really well here. Uh, well, like I said, there's there's a lot of themes in, like, I'll just say Asian movies because it is kind of a more universal thing. Like, themes mm-hmm. of brotherhood, like, relationships like this don't often manifest in American films because, you know, no homo. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's that there's that fear that <laughs> Especially the audience in the 90s, will misinterpret yeah. it and yeah. make, make a big stink about it. 
Whereas in like a Hong Kong production or a Japanese film or something like that, it's more accepted that it's like male male characters can have these kind of relationships without it being sexual or whatever. See, I think it was tried in Heat. It was it, that's one of the problems I had with that ending was like like he has this weird admiration for uh, Al Pacino has a weird admiration for Robert De Niro's character. He's like, oh, you know what, I I respect you as a as a thief, but you know if you try to do anything, I'm gonna fucking take you down or whatever. And then at the end, when he inevitably shoots him, spoiler alert, and kills him, he holds his hand as he's dying. Um, what did I just watch? Where someone was, or I was reading, I'm sorry, I, the book I'm reading, um, the, this guy gets shot or is like dying in the, in the book, and it's like an enemy, but he's like, I hate this guy, but I'm going to hold his hand as he's dying because it, no one should be alone when they're dying. It's a, it's a theme that, again, this is why the jackal came up. Is it's it's one of my favorite types of stories. Uh, the killer is different because the two characters become friendly with one another, mm-hmm. like in Ernst. But I don't know the, those man versus man stories where it's like you're stuck for two hours with these two guys who you know are going to collide at some point, and through the through the skill of the directing and the editing and the acting, uh, you come to like both of them. So it's like, oh man, I don't want to see either one of these guys go. Yeah. I, I really love that format. And I feel like guys like John Woo have, have a knack for telling those kinds of stories. Uh, partially because of the melodrama- melodramatic angle. Mm-hmm. Like, again, it's, it's not a style you see too often in American films. Um, but yeah, I... I would recommend watching Hard Boiled just for the spectacle. Okay. Um, again, I, I do think The Killer is a superior film because it actually has fucking characters. <laughs> <laughs> Hard Boiled is just pyrotechnics and fun. Gotcha. Um, but it's glorious. Um, and maybe A Better Tomorrow just because I know you like True Romance so much. Mm-hmm. And and it's it clearly, it, you know, it clearly Quentin Tarantino drew a lot of inspiration from that. And in particular, A Better Tomorrow too. I like parts of true romance and characters a lot, certain characters. On the whole, the film is so-so. It's okay. But there's just certain scenes and certain performances I really, really like in true romance. The movie itself is meh. It's okay. Yeah, no. In in terms of, like, moments and scenes, I I get where you're coming from because that's what I got from it, too. And hopefully we'll talk about someday. I hope so. Uh, but on that note, uh, thank you for catching up on the killer. Uh, yeah. I suppose tune in next time. Uh, hopefully I'll be catching up on something that time. Yep. <laughs> yep. All righty. <laughs>